Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 176 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. I'm Matt Kyle. And we are here to bring you the biggest and the best in video games for the week. Not a great week for video games. No, I mean, it's it's August. What do you want? Yeah. Fire, but Fire Emblem's still going, so... And going. Going and going. And going. Fire Emblem will take care of you until... I mean, frankly, till Astral <laughs> Chain comes out. I mean, there's not really a whole lot happening right now. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty dead right now. Uh, but I think we do have a really good show for you guys somehow. We've eked out enough I think that's the first topics. time I've ever remembered that game's name. What, Astral, Astral Chain? Astral Chain. You finally got it after all this time. Is it? It's Astral Chain, right? Yeah, that's it. I always want to call it Abyssal Chain. Just remember that the primary weapon in the game is that sword that like will turn into a chain, and then you can use it to like lasso enemies. And yeah, well, I know the chain. It's the A word. The I astral part. <laughs> anyway, here we are on Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be our permanent time going forward. I think this is, what, three weeks in a row? Finally, we've got it on um, the same day and time. No, just two weeks. Two weeks. Because the first time was Thursday. Oh, right. And then we did Tuesday. And then we did a show like four days later. And now we're doing Tuesday. Yeah, this is the first show we've had a whole week to prepare for. Yeah. And we still had... Not that it mattered. And we still had to redo the open again. (laughs) Yeah, for those of you who are watching the archive, we actually started this show once. We had mic problems, and then we had to start it all over again. So this is the second go around. Uh, We do have a great show for you guys today. Uh, Thank you guys for all your great questions for Pactor Factor. Uh, I think this round was some of the best questions that we've had in a really long time. I talked on our show this past weekend, Today's High Score, which is our call-in show, which went great, by the way. All of you guys should uh, be become a part of that show. It's every Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific. I was really impressed with how many calls we got in the first week. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's tough getting shows together during these time periods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to you got to work for it, but luckily some things happen. We're going to talk about Evo today. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that have been happening culturally around games that we're not all that excited to talk about, but I feel like we need to. Uh, we got some good stuff. But before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Feeling the urge to get away from it all, permanently or for months at a time? Immerse yourself in the best Montana has to offer on 320 acres of remote, heavily forested property. Gaze at your own private lake from the deck of the log cabin. Truly off the grid, soak in a custom wood fire heated hot tub surrounded by wilderness and wildlife. Visit www.lostlakemontana.com for more detailed information and images. You can also contact Doug DeShazer today at deshazermt at gmail.com or 406-291-1643. That's deshazermt at gmail.com or 406 291 one six four three. Big thanks to DeShazer Ryan Realty for sponsoring the show. It was a huge help in us getting the studio set up and everything. They were also very patient uh, waiting for us to get the studio all set up uh, so that we could start running their promotions in the show. So I just want to thank them really, really a lot. You guys, if you're looking for property, hit them up. They also sell property all over the U.S. It's not just in Montana, so check them out. And with that, it's time to kick off the show proper. We're going to start things with probably the biggest story or the biggest reveal of the week, and that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare Multiplayer. They had an event here on August 1st in L.A. Um, I was invited to the event. Unfortunately, I could not attend because I had a bunch of other stuff I had to do for the site. Um, But the reports and the live stream uh, that that they shared pretty much gave up the ghost in so many different ways. So... 
We have a ton of information to get through. Did you check out all that stuff, Matt? No, I didn't even know that happened. Really? <laughs> <laughs> you must have been all sifted for a couple days. Yeah, I was. Yeah. There's uh, a lot going on in the second half of the week. Yeah. Well, they did a huge blowout here in L.A., and they did a live stream that ended up lasting like four hours to blow the game out. Um, and subsequently, tons and tons of coverage came out afterwards. Um, as you the all know... The only thing I saw was that kill streaks are coming back. Yes, kill streaks are replacing score streaks. So I'm not a fan of this change, by the way. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember why score streaks replaced kill streaks? Uh, if I remember right, the idea was that like it only rewarded one kind of play, basically. Like if you were, you know, all it rewarded was killing over, you know, in in repetition, and like it discouraged the idea of playing as a support role or like doing other things or like you know, basically there was only one way to succeed. Yep, that's accurate, and that is why. So when they started using score streaks, basically how it works, kill streaks were you get five kills, you get this crazy awesome thing that you can use. Score streaks basically just took the score that you earned and mm-hmm. set certain limits that you needed to hit to get those same awesome attacks or whatever. Um, and that allowed people who did things like support operatives and things like that to actually get points. For instance, like you would get points just for taking out score streaks. So if I have a, a rocket launcher and I shoot down a drone, I would get points for that that would build into my score streak and allow me to get score streaks. Now, kills only. Mm-hmm. So you wonder the people who, in, in all honesty, over the last like eight years have learned that they're rewarded for doing things more than just killing how they're going to react to this. Because there's a whole lot of people out there who play Call of Duty who are never going to get a kill streak. Um, I know personally, I, I get way more score streaks than I ever got kill streaks. I remember back when I was at GT, I never got, I never had a 15 kill streak where I could use the best kill streaks. The only, I think the only time I ever got any 15 kill streaks was in the review events. Oh, really? When you were playing against journalists, you weren't very yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is handy because you needed that footage to run. For oh, that. yeah. I got tons of good footage doing that. I mean, if you want to feel good about yourself, play at a review event. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And then you go out into the wild and you play against the five-year-olds. Yeah. yeah like the, even the day before the game comes, I'm like, how are you this good? <laughs> You've never played this before. I've been playing for three weeks. Yeah. And uh, so I'm not a fan of this change because it's going to change the game for me. It's going to take probably the most exciting part of Call of Duty out of the game for a lot of players. I mean, there's a reason they changed to this and kept it that way for a long time. It's because it's a better system. It was an an evolution of the kill streak. And now we're going back to, I hate to use this phrase, but ground zero, and we're going back to the way it was when everything first started. So I'm not a huge fan of that change at all, in all honesty. And I think once people get their hands on the game, the vast majority of people aren't going to be fans of it either because we're not all quickscoping sniper murderers. Like, I don't know. It, it seemed to me that it made the game more interesting and fun to a wider group of people, score streaks. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to the old way where a select few of elite players actually get to use the streaks. Not a fan. Uh... Well, it seems like it is kind of going back to basics a little bit here. Yeah, I mean... It, They're it, taking the number out of the title and everything. The traversal stuff is the same as it's been for the last couple entries. It's boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still have a slide, but... There wasn't a lot of wall running in the European front. Nope, definitely not. So there... And I'm okay with that. Like, I liked the traversal stuff in Infinite Warfare. It was probably mm-hmm. my favorite Call of Duty multiplayer to play because you had jetpacks and you could actually go vertical. They haven't done that for a while now. 
Uh, I've kind of gotten used to it at this point, so I'm, that's not a big deal. But one thing I do like about what they're changing for Modern Warfare is they're making the maps far more interactive. So um, maps right now are pretty much just we built this. You can't really interact with it in any way. Mm-hmm. The, but your best case scenario is there are places in the maps where you can hit a switch and it will open and close like a sliding door or something. That's pretty much as far as it goes. The new game is, first of all, it has tons of doors, which changes everything. Most of the doorways in recent Call of Duties are just open doorways. Mm -hmm. If there's a door on the hinge, it's open permanently. Well, there are doors that you open and shut in this game, which changes everything as far as strategy is concerned. It keeps people from being able to see in. Uh, It keeps you from being able to see out as well, but you can also create ambushes inside buildings. Everyone can open the door and come running out. It really changes a lot. And then they've instituted another new feature where you can basically lock your gun onto objects and use it as like a tripod. So you can lock your gun onto a door jam, onto a wall, and you have a lot less recoil when you fire the gun. You can also use that as kind of a peek around option Mm. when you're playing multiplayer, so you don't have to like risk yourself because currently there's nothing like that in call of duty so if you want to look you got to go out there your whole body has to go out and you get killed so i think that's a great change they said that there's going to be a bunch of hidden areas on the maps that will take people a while to figure out how to get into them Hmm. uh you'll have to climb up ladders and building in the side of buildings to get to some areas uh so they said they want the maps to be something that people explore and try to find new stuff Uh, And I think that's a great idea. The maps have felt pretty much dead in Call of Duty for a really long time. So I'm I'm behind that change. I think that's a great idea. Um, There's going to be another battle royale mode. They haven't. They didn't talk. They didn't talk much about that though at the multiplayer event. They just kind of mentioned it offhand. But there is one Mm -hmm. coming. There were rumors that that was going to be like 200 people. That well, you segue nicely into what I was going to say next, which is that the whole theme kind of is more people. Mm -hmm. Um, They showed 32 on 32 matches at the event. Uh, they played 10 on 10 team deathmatch. Usually it's six on six in Call of Duty. Uh, they said that like they didn't give any hard numbers, but they said the, basically the sky is the limit with player counts. Mm-hmm. But they also went backwards a little bit too. So one of the modes that they showed and kind of featured at the event was two on two gunfight. Uh, and gunfight is nothing new. It's a mode that's been in Call of Duty. It's also a mode that's been in a lot of other games. Basically it's a mode where they tell you what guns you get, and it's randomized. So, But everyone starts with the same. So everyone starts with, like, a pistol or whatever. And then if you get a kill with that pistol or you die, then when, next time you get, like, an SMG. And then it keeps graduating up until you have more and more weapons. But when it's just two-on-two, two, you probably mm. don't need much more than a pistol anyway. But it does randomize the weapons, and that seemed to be the mode coming out of that event that the journalists were most excited about. Um, I didn't get to play Is that it. that the mode that Gears 5 stole? Yeah. I mean, every game's pretty much stolen it at this mm-hmm. point, where it's just like, you don't know what gun you're getting. Oh, I got a shotgun. Now I need to go up close and kill people. It's it's a cool idea. It's never really stuck with me over the long term because I felt like just sometimes you just got screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and also, if you fall behind in the way some of those modes are done, if you fall behind the other players, it's a self-defeating cycle because you're already behind and the other guys who are ahead of you have better weapons. So you have like no chance of like bringing yourself up, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and doing better as it goes. So there's pros and cons, I guess, to that type of, uh, of game design for shooters. Uh, the other big thing, cross-play across everything. Mm-hmm. Xbox, PS4, PC. Uh, Infinity Ward said that they did some testing 
and that uh, they found that the controller players were beating the PC players. Do you believe that? <laughs> I mean, I don't know why they'd lie about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, they said they brought in pros, a pro that plays on PC, a pro that plays on the, on a console controller, and the pro on the controller was winning every round. So anecdotally, they seem to think that it's going to be balanced. They said it's a big priority for them that they get it balanced. Hey, Andres, you can run B-roll anytime, bro. <laughs> Well, I didn't know if you had B-roll. No, yeah, there's tons of B-roll in there. (laughs) But uh, there you go. So there's pros and cons to those types of modes, basically, is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've never really stuck with me over the long haul. Um, There's no season pass. I think we talked about that already when we talked about the game for the first time, uh, which is a big deal. But there is kind of a Sony exclusivity thing going on. Like, there's an open beta coming in October for everybody. But it starts on, like, September 22nd or something for PS4. So there's still some kind of marketing deal going on there. Um, But no season pass is good. No one's going to complain. Who cares who gets the beta early? As long as you don't have to pay for content going forward. Um, Loadouts are, like, predetermined. So there's no pick 10 system. Again, one of those things where they're going backwards instead Mm -hmm. of going forwards. That, That was kind of the way the old Call of Duty games were. Uh, the pick 10 again was this system that was evolved over years and years um so i don't understand i mean i get this like this whole retro everything old is new again thing going on right now with all these remasters and reworks and things like that but that's not what i wanted from this like they already remade call of duty for modern modern warfare we have that already i wanted a new call of duty and it just seems weird to, to take something that took a lot of work and evolution to get to and just replace it with something that was that people had overwhelmingly decided was inferior. I, I don't get it. Um, I like the pick 10 system. I like being able to choose exactly how I want to spend my points. Maybe I don't want six attachments on my gun. Maybe I want a third weapon. Maybe I want to have three or four perks instead of having the uh, the... The, the the silencer on the end of my rifle. like It just takes away the flexibility from the game. I have no idea why they're doing this stuff. I think they're doing it to streamline it to in, under the idea that that you're lowering the barrier of, ent- barrier of entry if you make it simpler. Um, Do they need to lower the barrier of entry to Call of Duty? They seem to think so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what metrics they're looking at, but there certainly seems to be a push to, you know, bring it back to when, more of like what it was when it really blew up the first time. And, uh, you know, in the wake of things like Ghosts and uh, Infinite Warfare, I can also see how Infinity War, because those are Infinity Ward, and uh, I can see how Infinity Ward might be like, all right, why don't we just go back to the stuff we know works. That's um, what I was going to so. say is maybe the problem is Infinity Ward is looking at its data instead of the data for the franchise as a whole, because... Infinity Ward's last few games have arguably been kind of the worst Call of Duty releases. Like, I liked the campaign and Infinite Warfare and the multiplayer, but most people didn't. And they haven't sold as well. Ghost, for most people, is one of the worst Call of Duties ever. And so I hope that Infinity Ward isn't looking at the data for its games and saying, hey, people stopped playing this because of... No, no, they played it because they didn't think your game was as good as Treyarch's or Sledgehammer's. Um, I wouldn't think that they would be that silly to do something like that, but... Who knows? I don't know. I mean, Infinity Ward is obviously not the same company that made Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2. They're, you yeah. know, the people who made those games went and formed Respawn. 
So I don't really know who's over there anymore. Um, but I have not. Well, they just brought back a guy to work on this that worked on the original. Hmm. He was gone for like nine years or something like that, and they just brought him back in. From He had been working at some other studio or something for the last almost decade. Um, and I guess if you if your goal is to go back, maybe it's good to bring the guy back that was working on those old games. I, I just don't understand it. Um, there was another mode that had revives, something that's just not in Call of Duty. You don't revive your teammates in Call of Duty. It's just not how it works. Uh, there's one mode so far that has it. Um, they haven't said if uh, other modes are going to have it, but they showed one that did have it. Now, that's not the case in... The traditional modes like Capture the Flag and Domination and Team Deathmatch, that's just for this special mode. So you're not reviving people when you're going to play your old standby in this game. But having revives at all in Call of Duty is a big deal. Most of the reports from the event said that uh, the revives take too long and therefore were pretty useless because <laughs> otherwise it's still a Call of Duty. Yeah, it seems like one of the reasons there's no revi revives in the game, I would think, is because Call of Duty moves so fast. Oh, it's like lightning fast. So, like, if you're, like, in the time it takes you to kind of stand in one place, and, uh, I mean, Battlefield has that problem a little bit, too, but Battlefield's so large in scope that you don't really notice, like, you can't notice every single person who's trying to revive a teammate. So, um, you have the time to kind of bring someone back as a medic, whereas in Call of Duty, the, the maps are so small and so constant, and, like, the circulation of, play of opponents is so constant that, like, I wouldn't want to stop and try to help somebody, frankly. Uh, That's what they were saying. They're like, know. it's just constant barrage of bullets, like trying to revive someone in the game because, again, the maps are smaller to yeah. encourage confrontation. Although if they're going for, like, size and player count this time, maybe they that's kind of part of the part of the shift because um, the player counts sound battlefield-sized at this point. So who know, presumably the maps are bigger too. I don't know. Like, you know, it didn't sound like it. It, sounded, it doesn't look like it in this footage. No. And they said, and most of the reports from the event said that the maps were scaled based upon the mode, like the two on two gunfight mode. They said the maps were really small. Mm. Um, and I'm guessing if they do get to a point where there's a hundred players in each match, there's no way you can do that on a traditional call of duty map. They're going to have to build bigger ones. But if they're building a battle Royale mode, they're going to have that tech anyway. Mm. So, you figure if you can do a battle royale mode where you have 100 plus players on one gigantic map, you can absolutely do team deathmatch with 64 players on a pretty big map. At yeah. least you'd think anyway. Um, what else? Um, Gunsmith has kind of replaced loadouts. It's mm. uh, It was kind of stolen from Rainbow Six. Actually, all Ubisoft shooters pretty much have Gunsmith at this yeah. point. Um, I think... Uh, Breakout also has Gunsmith. Yeah, I mean, so did Wildlands. Right, oh, right. Wildlands was just like... It was insane. You could customize any anything on, on the guns in that. Yeah. And uh, so that's coming to Call of Duty. And again, that's kind of a, a, a replacement or a supplement to the lack of a Pick 10 system. Mm -hmm. They said you could have up to five or six attachments on each gun, but each gun actually has like 50 or 60 attachments possible, hmm. which is crazy. Um, I'm guessing they're going to give you better versions of the same yeah, like five or six things we've been getting all this time. Yeah, I, would, I would guess there'd be several ranks of of the same type of, of add-ons. Yeah. And uh, honestly, one of the biggest changes that I heard about from this event is there's no radar. Hmm. Radar is a streak now. So you can only see radar when someone has the radar streak. 
I like that. Do you like that? Yeah, I've I've always kind of been annoyed by radar. We used to when I was uh, back when back when uh, multiplayer was like server driven, like for things like we would always play with radar off, just because it's like why like what does that represent? You know, yeah. in the, in a scenario of of a gunfight, like you don't no one has that. You know, the, radar is you know more like something you should use in like Metal Gear Solid to like. You know, when when it was all top down and there was no other way to tell which direction somebody was facing, like from off screen. But like in a game like this, like I don't like radar is makes it, it makes it so you're just looking at dots. No, you're right. But that, and that's what I was get, what I was gonna say is that people who are really good at this game are gonna hate it because people who are really good and even when I play Call of Duty, I'm always looking at the radar. Mm-hmm. Always, my eyes are darting from the radar to the screen, radar to the screen, radar, just constantly. Oh, same. Which, but after a while, I start to that kind of like tends to be one of the things that stops me from playing. I'm like, what oh, am I really? doing? Like, what? <laughs> why am I just like playing radar the game at this point? Like, yeah, it's, it's so important though, knowing where enemies are. In fact, in Black Ops Four, one of the abilities that I use is the ability to see my teammates through walls, mm-hmm. and. I've never turned it off once I turned it on because it tips you off to everything that's happening. If two guys are caught in a gunfight over on the right side of the map, you see it. If one guy's basically dueling somebody else on the left side of the map, you see it. And so it's very easy to react to the overall play that's happening on the map. So it's going to be a big change for me. And I'm not like pro quality Call of Duty player. These people that are really good, they're going to have to completely adjust how they play the game. And maybe that's a good thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm honestly undecided on that feature change yet as to whether I'm going to like it or not. Um, it's hard. I think it's hard to know until it's put into practice. I know one thing. If you don't have a radar, there's going to be a lot more surprise moments where you come yeah. around a corner and you're like, oh, my God, there's five dudes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like that works even... I mean, I see radar there. I must. That must be the kill streak up. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense also in conjunction with, like, having the closed door aspect. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess you, you're trying to essentially uh, augment that other change mm-hmm. to make it easier to kind of go down. But I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this multiplayer. I mean, two huge components of this, again, that evolved over years and years of iteration to a point where I think most people thought they were perfect have rolled back the clock by about a decade to go back to the way it was. Does it have any effect on you as someone who doesn't really play Call of Duty? No. Does it make you more apt to play it or No. No. Like this is I mean Call of Duty multiplayer is just like do I want to like get killed repeatedly for as long as I can stand it? That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. Like I've been out of the loop for a decade and you know, I don't care about like being competitive in these games and it's just you know everybody is just way better than i am and i'm just not you know at most it's just like to sort of look and see what it is this might be a leveling of the playing field though sort of maybe that is the idea maybe i think, it's like, I think that's what they're after but like I don't, somebody, I don't know if it's gonna work yeah. you know like because you have to get people to try it first right yeah. and i guess that's what the bait is for but i know i just feel like i've done it yeah. You know, like, well, no matter what you change, I feel like I've done it. Well, this is like Madden, and we're going to talk again about Madden here in a little bit, but it's kind of like Madden where it's just, it's got to the point where it's added so much stuff that it just recycles stuff now and add, and calls it new features. Mm-hmm. And you, I feel like if you're a fan, you're kind of like stuck in this position where you're like waiting for news on the on this year's version, kind of going like, well, I hope it has the things I like yeah. and not the things I don't like. Right. So and you're never going to please everybody. Especially because you got three different teams that probably all have different ideas about what the game should be. Yeah. Uh, and I would say 
you know, Treyarch's vision of this series is probably the dominant one, but clearly there's some wiggle room here and there. Do you hear music? Yeah, I hear yeah. music too. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. It's weird. Huh. But anyway, as a big Call of Duty <laughs> player, I am not particularly excited for this game. Um, I will try the beta, obviously, mm. and give it a go. And I have an open mind. I'm willing to give it a chance. It could yeah. be better. Who knows? I mean, I'll, I'll play. I might play the single player, depending on what people say. It's just Call of Duty's not been a priority for me since Infinity Ward became Respawn, Yeah. after which point Respawn became the priority. Yeah, that's true. And uh, They're definitely making better shooters. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm hoping they're going to make a better Star Wars game. So, oh, yeah, good so. point. Um, we haven't seen anything from that since, oh, for a while now. I think you'll see some stuff soon at D23. We kind of need to. I mean, uh, I mean that's it's not their, too far away now. No, that's their next stop. I mean, look, I already bought it, so <laughs> doesn't matter. That's, that's the only thing I pre-ordered for the fall. Is, is that already, true? The oh, only, yeah. The only thing. You already, didn't pre-order Pokemon. Not yet. Surprise. I, 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 well, the, one of the reasons I pre-ordered uh, uh, Fallen Jedi was because there was uh, like a 10% off deal for if you had Battlefront 2. And you click through on Battlefront 2 to the store, and it got you got like 10% off the, the pre-order. So I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a good consolation prize for having bought Battlefront 2. <laughs> um, a weird one, but... But, uh, but yeah, that was fine. But, yeah, everything else, like, when you give me 10% off Pokemon, I'll buy that, too. Yeah. Um, but Pokemon, I will probably have to put... I, I know, you know what? I did pre-order Pokemon. You're right. I, I put in a pre-order for that uh, the Amazon two-pack thing. If like somebody asked me, when what's put the it up one game E3? Matt pre-ordered for the fall? Well, no, I would have said Star Wars first still. Right. But then I would have said Pokemon. But Pokemon, <laughs> I put up, Pokemon I put up because I like to get the... You know, Amazon for the last few games has done like a two-pack thing, either in like Steel Steelbook or like whatever. And the, they sell out because they're Nintendo things. So yeah. I get those early. I forgot about that. Yeah. But I remember, I remember Fallen Jedi because it's in my install list on my Xbox when I scroll through it. It's like just sitting there. It's like pre-order. Also, the Outer Wild still says pre-order, even though it came out like in June. That's weird. It still says pre-order. I've played it. I've you know been through it. Like, but it's still the the icon on my install list still says pre-order. Interesting. Huh. Maybe because it's early access. I don't know. Could be. All right. So anyway, there you go. That's Call of Duty. That's your Modern one Activision War. game for the year. <laughs> it is their only game this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's our preview of Call of Duty Modern Warfare Multiplayer. Uh, again, an open beta is coming the end of September for PS4, and then it goes to the other platforms after that. Uh, because there are so many changes, I highly suggest people give the beta a go because I don't think you're going to know whether you're going to like this stuff in, until you actually try it. Yeah. So the good news is you're going to have plenty of opportunity to do it before you have to plunk down your cash. All right. Let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about Evo 2019. Just went down this weekend in Las Vegas. Um, I have to admit right out of the gate that this is the first Evo in probably eight or nine years where I did not watch a single second of it live. Hmm. I missed Saturday because I was at Disneyland. Um which is a decent trade-off, yep. but like <laughs> totally um, legit excuse. But uh, all the interesting finals were on Saturday. Uh, Sunday was a little bit of a bust. Like like I've uh, invited people over pretty often for you know the Sunday Grand Finals, and this year only one person came. Oh really? And, and he left after Street Fighter because because <laughs> that's he, all he cares. He's about. like I'm getting tired and a little sleepy, and I don't think Tekken's gonna wake me up. Yeah. So I'm like, well, 
Can't argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so the order was a little anticlimactic for me on Sunday because I'm more interested in 2D fighting games. So you had uh, Blaze Blue, which is, you know, fun to watch. I don't yeah. know a whole lot about Blaze Blue beyond very casual play, but, like, I always think those anime fighters are weird. I, I, I watched it on Saturday. On Friday, I watched a lot of pools. I watched a fair amount of uh, Undernight Fate, Rebur- Stay, <laughs> Rebirth, whatever the hell that thing is. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty. That was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Mortal Kombat. Enjoy. I really like watching like the high end Samurai Showdown play because it doesn't look like anything else. Yeah. Um, uh, but that was about it. Like, uh, it's was, it was just weird. I mean. I got nothing against Smash Brothers, but I don't like watching it. Like I did watch like half the finals. Or I watched the Tekken finals, and they were you know they were Tekken Seven's a lot more fun to watch than any other Tekken ever has been. It that's is, for sure. yeah. It's a good um, esport game, and like you can see, I think, especially with the way that the current scene is going, you can really see how the movement is key, almost more than being able to do the combos. Like the the split second ducks of the various mo- I mean and they and they and you, they do it every time so you know they know what they're doing and it's just like the the split second timing is crazy and there's some really good matches in the Tekken Seven final um, Smash Brothers I just think it goes forever and I just I mean I can only watch uh, um, I can only watch Wario fight a Pokemon for so long I mean it's like forty minutes and then Joker like, you mean. Well, I watched it was, the one I well, I gave up on was uh, it was it was uh, Pokemon it was the Pokemon trainer versus um, uh, versus Wario. Oh, okay. And it just went on. Was that and like on the semifinal or something? It was a semifinal or something. Yeah, it was just went on and on and on and on. So I only watched replays of all the grand finals. I didn't watch anything you live. Run up. Nope. I just went to their Twitch channel and just started watching highlights. And mm-hmm. I wa- I did watch the entirety of the Smash Brothers grand final. And I agree with you 1,000%. The matches go way too long, and it 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 just feels like the same thing is happening mm. over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, because it's not that... I mean, it's that game is all execution. Yeah. And so I will say this, man. Those guys it's not, are There's so no variety. It's not like watching good. Tekken. Like, Tekken, every character has, like, 60 moves. Right. And these guys just, like have to know when to use almost all of them and have to be ready for almost all of them from other characters. Smash Brothers is like, you basically got three or three or four basic setups and probably one main thing you're trying to do every time, and it just happens over and over and over, and it be- and becomes, because it's so fast-paced and so movement-oriented, like, it just becomes like, you know, Wario's going to throw that, that motorcycle out again, and, you know, he's going to turn into Ivysaur and try to juggle him, and then, he's, you know, the, his percentage got a certain level, and he's going to turn into Charizard, and... Now Wario's going to try to do the fart move at him because that's going to be an instant kill. And it's, it's it's just it was just the same thing over and over. It's like either have it be three stock and two out of three, or have it be lower stock and three out of five. But it, it's just too long. I mean, it at least does. it was at the end, so like it, you weren't missing anything else. That place was in. in so I know it set. Did it set records for viewership for Smash? I think so. Yeah, and I think it set records for everything viewership. It was it was in the two hundred thousands during Tekken, which I remember when they broke a hundred thousand for the first time. When I was I was at covering it covering at Evo that time, and everybody was amazed that that would ever even happen. Now it's like it was it, like two sixty four concurrent yeah. at one point. Yeah, it was up there, and I think Smash Brothers had the most viewers in the end. Um, I mean, it was last on a Sunday night. It was night last, and, and you everyone know, had finished doing what they were going to do on Sunday. A and lot of, could, you know, a lot of people do like Smash. It's just I don't. There's not a whole lot of crossover, like I think, between people who are super into Smash and super into other fighting games. Well, they showed some crowd shots during the Smash Grand Finals, and the crowd was like empty. 
There were people everywhere in the arena, but when they actually started walking through the seats, it mm-hmm. was like empty. Well, I so mean, so maybe the people in, who were there to see it in person weren't quite as enthused as the online audience was. Yeah, I think the online audience is obviously much bigger. Yeah. Um, also, because Smash Brothers is more of an indoor thing, you know, like there's a, the, the divide between the FGC and the and the Smash Brothers side is tends to be because they're just from different worlds. Like Smash Brothers came from home video games. Almost all the rest of it came from arcades, which is a different social stratification um, and a different experience. Um, so I think there's some cultural clash there. Um, but I think both, both, you know, it's it's accepted. Like Smash is part of that community now, more or less, and. Uh, you know, it's it got the the finale, the grand finale of the grand finals day. Um, it was a great match, which though. Nintendo apparently went for. I mean, Nintendo, I mean, Nintendo's had a huge turnaround in terms of, of supporting it. Yeah, it, well, it, just the fact that it does support it. Yeah, I mean that that alone. But like, <laughs> they're they're doing it in earnest now, and like they're holding their own stuff and really kind of you know making an effort, and that's good to see. Especially because I imagine Ultimate has to last a while. Now I will say this: that Smash Ground for Grand Final was compelling. Mm. It dragged on for a really long time, but you had the up-and-coming challenger basically take, like, the world's best player to the brink, Mm -hmm. and then he just choked. I mean, he just choked and lost every match after that and lost. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to keep that. It had to be heartbreaking. It's hard to keep that level of concentration that long. That's the other thing is the matches are long for them, too. Yeah, absolutely, which maybe adds a little something to it that other fighting Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a stamina element to it for the actual competitors. And, I mean, in that case, Leo, I mean, he got better as that grand final went on, whereas the other guy just kind of kept shirking. I mean, by the end, there was no doubt that Leo was going to come back. Well, experience, you know, if it goes on long enough in almost any fighting game, experience is usually going to win. I mean, as as Alex Valle says, round one is data. Yeah. Um, Like, he's like, if I don't ever care if someone loses the first round, because all that means is they, if they're doing it right, all that means is they learn something. Right. They're trying to figure out the opponent. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's definitely not. And you, you saw that back and forth in a, in a lot of those. Uh, but there's, sometimes you get those matches with Smash where, where they've figured each other out and they're just at a stalemate. Yeah, I mean, that and was kind of like the middle part of that. Like, yeah. before, what's the up-and-comer's name again? I can't remember his name. I don't remember. I, don't, uh, I, don't, I feel bad. I don't follow anyone. He played re- amazingly well. I mean, he had the advantage going into the grand finals. Yeah. He had to lose twice, and yeah. he did. <laughs> <laughs> that happens a lot more often than you might. Th- I mean, it's a little surprising to me that Bone Chan won at Street Fighter yeah. uh, winners because, like, it they usually you know the losers usually go the distance, yeah. even though they've had to play a lot more matches. But that grand final, the Street Fighter grand final, was bad. It was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't I, close. It was like a he got crushed. Yeah, like I mean, he he got downloaded basically. Yeah. Um, and Bonchan wasn't even using Saget, so yeah. like it, it was like he, Not, he, he was using his main. He's using Karen to as the counterpoint, um, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, it uh, did. But uh, it wasn't like one of the big, you know, nail biter dramatic finals. But uh, yeah, I like Bonchan, so I'm glad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm glad I mean, he he's won. always up there. He's yeah. a worthy champion. I mean, he's always in like the final bracket, mm-hmm. and he's always got a chance to win it. Oh yeah, for sure. But I didn't get to see any of the Saturday stuff, so I didn't. I didn't see who won any of that. I, I saw Goichi uh, break down in tears after he won that one. The one I don't even remember. was that Mortal Kombat. Yeah, or was it? I think it was. Yeah, I think he won MK. Um, I'm kind of excited for uh, Haomaru in uh, Soul Calibur. Oh uh, yeah, the Samurai Showdown crossover with him is pretty cool. Yep. Um, and then I, it was. I'm not super clear on the details, but I guess uh, Evo got in trouble with uh, Konami and David Hayter for using. 
uh, Solid Snake in some thing during the Tekken final that people thought he made was people be think announced. that Solid Snake was going to be in Tekken. Yeah, which he is not. Nope. Um, <laughs> and they got uh, they got roasted a little bit for that uh, at the Street Fighter final. They put up the wrong name for the world champion yeah. on the stage, which was doubly weird because it was uh, uh, Infectious, who wasn't in the grand final. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I guess maybe you make graphics for the winner for. You know, all the top, you know, the top four, just in case whoever gets in gets in. You have them there, yeah. But, like, clearly someone clicked the wrong file. Overall, though, I would say the production was the best it's ever been this year. It was okay. I mean, I, I there was a lot of weird, uh, what I can only assume were TriCaster issues, like, uh, where the stream would get staticky, like, jumping and staticky, and I'm like, oh, I must have to restart. And then I look online, and everyone's like, what's wrong with the stream? Like... And they they lost they lost the graphics once in a while. They have during the the break they'd have to kind of reboot it or whatever. Um, I mean it's better than the old days where if something like that happened you had to take it all down and bring it back all the way back up. And just the constant commercial breaks are maddening. Yeah. Like I understand that that's how it works, but like first off, um, I mean they still do the soccer fact, matches without TV commercials. So for, oh, first off, the fact that like you can hear what's stuff going on in the venue between the commercials they run yeah yeah uh is weird is annoying to me because i'm like what am i missing yeah maybe i'd rather hear the commercial maybe i'd rather hear the commentators you yeah, know, yeah some of the commentators are really good um the asmr cup noodles ads were disturbing <laughs> to me like i, I that was d- just bizarre yeah. like i don't even know what to think of that like okay um and um what was the what was the other? oh like the, when i first tuned in on friday morning I went up because there's like, you know, Friday, there's like 12 different channels to watch because it's pools for everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything's happening, yeah. you know, and every single stream except Smash Brothers was on a well, was on a break. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm they like, do that in radio got, and TV. Right. But you got to stagger, like stagger that stuff somehow. I mean, if you, if these channels take a break at the hour to have these channels take a break at the half hour or something like you can't like have all your content go to nothing once an hour like that's very weird it is weird but I, I, when i was talking about the production was better i thought the stage looked better i thought the shots oh, the that they chose was good, better yeah. i thought the lighting for the competitors was better yeah i mean they're definitely learning how to use the um whoa what am i uh... somehow you're listening to one of my house mixes <laughs> I, I don't I... know how that's possible <laughs> go away <laughs> I think I pulled up a an archive of, of one of our videos. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Oh, uh, we were talking about the production values. Production, oh, uh, yeah, they're definitely learning how to use the Mandalay Bay stage better and yeah. more. Um, and uh, I think that the audio is better. Yeah, um, for sure. They uh, you don't have as much overlap between the on stage announcers and the uh, you know the stream announcers. Um, and uh, the one thing I do think uh, they need—I'm not sure. Like now that you said that about the crowd, I'm like—I kept thinking, like, God, you gotta mic the crowd. There's no reaction to anything. But now I'm wondering, maybe it's nobody was reacting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it was—they were showing like a walkthrough shot on a handheld camera during the grand finals of Smash, and it was mm-hmm. on the floor. And literally, there would be like three people in a row, two people in a row, five people in a row, and these rows were like mm-hmm. 20 seats wide. But a lot of it could just be burnout. I mean, if you've been there all weekend, like, I, I started thinking about this. Some of it, but, I mean, there was a time when that entire Grand Finals Day was must-see right. TV, basically. Yeah. I mean, when I, I mean, yeah, maybe you took a dinner break during Tekken, but, like, otherwise you were there the whole time. And I just feel like, not that the games are bad, but, like, 
the the audiences are so different that you don't have people that want to stay the whole time to see everything. They just want to see the game they care about. Yeah. Like it's become more splintered. Like there was a time when it was a little more general, and uh, now I think you've got Smash. You know, Smash is one thing, and then Tekken's a different thing. Different different audience from Street Fighter to some degree. And then, like, you know, we got people that refuse to watch Mortal Kombat. You know, it's, it's, um, there are people that don't want to watch the anime fighters because the anime fighters do get pretty repetitive. Yeah. In the sense that a lot of those, those characters, you're, again, you're working towards kind of that one best combo. And it's just sort of constantly trying to get them into, I mean, that's what fighting games are. It is. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the meta of fighting but games. But some of them, like, make that meta more interesting that some of them make, have a more interesting neutral game than others. And Street Fighter tends to be one of the most interesting. Yep. Uh, Tekken has gotten much better. I, th- I think the neutral in seven is is more interesting to watch, not necessarily more complex or better to play, but it's more interesting to watch now. Street like Fighter's they- posturing and positioning is something that interests me, mm-hmm. but most other fighting games, not so much. Like yeah. watching two competitors at Street Fighter just do the thing where they're just like trying to get that yeah, perfect just distance doing, away, doing the footsies. That's is, interesting. Yeah. Watching that to me, it's like whoa! Like, and you're seeing how quickly they can react. Mm-hmm. But in other fighting games, it's not as prevalent or as interesting for some reason. Mm-hmm. It can be. It can. I mean, like Samurai Shodan, I think is interesting because that neutral is so much a part of the game. It's it's you know just constantly trying to find that opening. And like even when you find the opening. The combos are not tremendous, minus like Genshiro and a couple of those characters that can combo pretty heavy. But like, it's more about kind of like trying to outthink the other player rather than like getting the opening and doing the combo. It's because like it, the one combo will do a lot of damage, but it's not going to like win you the game. Yeah. Like you got to keep finding your way through. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but I only got to watch a little bit of pools on Friday. I didn't get to. I didn't watch the the finals. Um, it was just sort of a like a. It felt dispersed. It felt there wasn't like, a lot of news coming out of the show either. Uh, the only thing, and we showed you the trailer a minute ago, the Tekken Season Three DLC Tekken, stuff. Yeah, and there's the. I mean, the big announcement I think was uh, the new Guilty Gear. Yeah. Um, which looks really cool. I mean, the, visually that trailer looked really cool. Obviously, we're not going to see specifics until later because it's not till next year. But it's you know, it's nice to know that Guilty Gear's in. Guilty Gear's coming. Um, I was pleased to see that uh, Soul Calibur is getting another season. I didn't think that was necessarily going to happen. Um, I don't know if I'll subscribe to it, but like I'm glad it's happening. Uh, and um, you know, new King of Fighters uh, in development—that's cool. Uh, new free uh, free uh, character for Samurai Showdown in September. That's right. Um, yeah, there's some decent stuff. That. I mean, the, the announcements were blown by Steam for Capcom, but the, you know. Th- Two solid characters and one character I've never heard of, Leona or whatever. Like yeah. The, the, the cop from Fatal, uh, yeah. Fatal Fury. Like, yeah. or not Fatal Fury, uh, yeah. Final Fight. Yeah. Really um, plumbing the No idea who that is. IP there. Um, but all right, sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, you know, E-Honda. I didn't even really think of the, you know, until they did the opening, they, they go through the select screen of, of two. And I'm like, oh, yeah, E-Honda's the only original Street Fighter Isn't 2 character not in that game. is how long it took for him yeah. to come to the game? I mean, he's popular, too. Like, he's he's popular. not like some, he's not like Dalsim. Like, Dalsim, to me, was always, like, the least popular character in Dalsim's got, gained a lot of popularity. He has, yeah. yeah. But, but E-Honda, like, you play in the arcades, people played as him all the time. And part was, of it... He's he a was a master. god. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to play as him and be effective. I don't yeah. know if he will be in the new in the new. I game, mean, but. yeah, I don't. But all I know is that last time I was at a barcade and I was playing uh, Super Turbo, I was winning and winning and winning, and finally the guy switched to E Honda, and I just couldn't beat him anymore. Like, because he probably just stood there and kept doing the. 
No, he, no he's very. He, there was that, but he's also very good with the you know the anti air fierce uh, and yeah. the um, and the, the time, chop the timing on the uh, on the torpedoes. The oh yeah. Uh, those are the key. Yep. I mean, you can use the torpedoes anti-air if you know. What oh you're yeah. Doing, so. If you're good, yeah. It was. Uh, it was. It was. So that was. Uh, I. And I tried to beat. I mean, it was free play, so it was like I tried to beat him like ten times. I'm like, all right, you win. Like, wow. I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. He must have been pretty good. Then. He was. I mean, clearly he, he had a pocket Honda, no question. Yeah. Like he was. He was ready with the Honda. So he was experimenting at first with other characters. He was playing around. I think when he, you know, at a certain point you realize that the person you're playing is actually knows what they're doing, and yeah. they're like, okay, I don't have to hold back on this right, guy. Right. And he didn't, and he won. <laughs> So. so what would you see like to see change? Do you think first of all, do you think they're gonna stick with Smash Brothers as a marquee game for next year? I mean, after the metrics, how can they not I, I don't see what else could supplant it. You yeah. know, like I mean like a new Street Fighter would only be the only thing that could really do that, and I don't think we're getting another Street Fighter for another two years or more. I mean new, that Street Fighter is clearly gonna be on the next gen systems. So yeah, I don't see anything that could dethrone uh i mean again the, the order on grand finals uh is from what i understand actually mostly determined by sponsorship so it depends if, oh, Ninten really? if nintendo wants Fucks it to be there the cash uh interesting uh, i didn't know that um i mean i that's what i've heard like i don't wow. know for sure that's discouraging to hear i think that's pretty common yeah um, i guess uh it would also explain why like something as new as like mortal Kombat wasn't on sunday right. because warner brothers isn't ready isn't willing to cough up the, ma the cash right. for that because they know there, there's a ceiling to that game yeah um but like you know so if nintendo wants to continue jumping in on that sure which it probably will yeah or if capcom wants to dominate again because they'll finally have some i mean street fighter 5 has been in a, a basically a content like drought for since the beginning of the year like yep. the shakeups with ono moving up and everything have really changed how they've been support it, the lack of support on that game has been tangible for most of 2019 uh, now they got you know new characters, and there's supposed to be a new announcement coming later in the fall, and there's a new season next year. So hopefully there will be, um, you know, hopefully the game will be a little bit revitalized by the time of Evo next year. But we'll see. Evo next year, we'll probably <clears throat> get a look at Street Fighter Six, don't you think? It's possible. Um, I think it depends. I mean, presumably, you know, you'll have seen the new systems by then because it's yeah. after E3. Yep. Um, so it's not it's not impossible. I mean, I could see them saying like, you know, Street Fighter Six is coming at E3, and then show some stuff at at Evo a month and a half later. Um, but who can say? I mean, yeah, that game might be even further out than we think. You'd you'd think they'd be pretty ready to move on from Street Fighter Five at this point because it hasn't done great. Yeah, it just hasn't been uh, what they hoped it would be. And it's, you know, I mean, I like it. I think it's a good street fighter, but like the business model is infuriating sometimes where it's just like, I just, just give me the game. Like, and the prices on things are a little, I mean, five ninety nine for a costume. Yeah. Like, really? That's like, insane. you better really like that costume. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think smash brothers is basically going to be, uh, king of the hill for, for this foreseeable next couple of years yeah. I, don't, I don't see any game in the pipeline that could dethrone it um maybe dragon ball fighters could have but that was a saturday game right that was a saturday game yeah. um that was what goichi broke That's down it. over yep. yeah yeah um maybe dragon ball, ball fighters could have been like a, a contender but like bandai namco dropped bandai, the ball well bandai namco didn't drop the ball the the company that owns the dragon ball license did oh really uh that they kept what's the name of that company i can't remember it's not it's Tatsunoku. Like a maze or something like that. yeah it, it's it's whatever it's the owners of the of the actual license the and IP. they basically wanted they continually wanted uh, basically royalty fees to be paid anytime it was used in a tournament oh god 
And like a lot of tournaments had to pull the game so from stupid. the ro- roster, from the rotation, sometimes at the last minute. And like Bandai Namco just didn't have any pullover. You know, they, yeah, they, that wasn't a call. Do. I guess it wasn't part of the contract that said, you know, because well, like, that was dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's not, not include esports. Well, it's not. It's not dumb because like you can't dictate terms to the people who own Dragon Ball. Like you can't dictate terms to Disney. Like you know, like and that's kind of you know, Dragon Ball is almost that big in terms of you know worldwide fame and popularity. Um, you know, we don't have that connection to it because we're too old. It didn't air until we were in our mid twenties right. here. Yeah. But around the rest of the world and for the generation that grew up. You yeah, know, I have in nephews that, time, that still I mean, watch it's, it, it's, and they're adults now. <laughs> it's 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 like scripture to them, yeah. basically, you know, and and like so, yeah. I mean, I think there could have been the possibility for Dragon Ball Fighters to be that big, but the people in Dragon Ball just didn't let it be that way. Yeah. So uh, one way or the other, um, that's kind of over. I mean, the good news is Smash was the marquee game, and the grand finals were amazing. I mean, it was an amazing match that went back and forth and. Both the players just blew my mind with their skill. Even the runner-up, I was just like, damn. Like, it's just crazy how they can't anticipate every move at, like, the t- a tenth of a set. Like, it was just crazy. You'd watch, like, he would play, he played his Pokemon trainer. Mm-hmm. And the Pokemon can change, I think there's, what, three that you can change to? Yeah, it's Squirtle, Ivysaur, and Charizard. And it was just crazy. That was Tweak, I believe. Tweak, that's it. And it was crazy watching Tweak switch through those forms on the fly, which was one thing. Just how good he was switching and then immediately taking control with that new character. But then watching Leo just, like, jump over him and then see him transform underneath him and then unleash an attack, like a vine attack, and know exactly where that attack is going to be. And him darting just over the top. It was just, I mean, if you slowed it down and just watched it frame by frame, it is mind-blowing what those guys do. But ultimately, it does get very repetitive, and it does drag. So I guess there's pros and cons to Smash Mm -hmm. being the big game at Evo, but I think overall it did well, and I think it's going to come back. Yeah, I don't don't see anything that could be... I mean, again, you're probably looking at a money situation, but I also don't see any other company wanting to step up and make that investment any more than Nintendo does, you know? Yeah. Because Nintendo... I mean... I guess, I don't know. I mean, Nintendo's support might evaporate when they're no longer putting DLC out for the thing, but like, I, I feel like Ult- Ultimate is kind of intended to be uh, the permanent platform for Smash Brothers. Like, even moving forward, you know, next Nintendo system, you'd get like Ultimate V2 or something. Yeah. Um, Ultra Ultimate. I don't know. Um, so it's in their best interest to continue keeping the scene alive, I would say. I was also surprised how good Leo was with a character that was just released. Well, uh, Joker is very good. Joker is no, no, Joker is no, no joke. joke. <laughs> I'm sure, but still, I mean, he's only been out for what a month and a half, something like that. Two yeah, months. but I mean, these guys have seen, and, then every, he, and he's playing these the grand finals at Evo with him. Like it's nuts. Learn, like learning the new character isn't nearly as difficult as knowing the other characters. So, like, huh? I mean, That's a good I, point. I think I think it's more about how often he'd played against Pokemon Trainer and maybe Tweak specifically. Yeah. Than uh, you know. But a month and a half is plenty of time for someone that dedicated to, to learn that character. It's crazy. So, um, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. It's not of interest to me. Like it's it's like I, I find it's sad to me where like you know the, the old days like I, like Sunday of Evo was one of my favorite days of the year just because it was a whole day of stuff to watch that I really and then enjoyed capped and off. cared for about. For me, I could go out and do the stuff I needed to do on on a typical Sunday, and then come back, and then I could catch live the games I really cared right. about. And because Street Fighter was earlier in the day this year, it didn't work out that way. And then when I got home, I'm like, oh, it's Smash. Mm-hmm. I'll just watch the highlights, and which yeah. I did. 
But I mean, times change, and yeah, golden ages don't last forever. And for someone who cares about Smash, this is the golden age. It is so. absolutely so. Great job, Evo. I thought yeah. overall. I mean, I'd still rather watch that than almost any job. other kind of esport. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. I, oh yeah. <laughs> it's not even close. To me, fighting games are the best esport by several magnitudes. Mm-hmm. It's not even close. And I think if you could talk to casual people, it's even more so. Because they watch something like Fortnite or League of Legends, and they have no idea what's going on. Dota, mm. they're just like, what is this? But fighting, you can always get it. There's a health bar, there's a health bar. Whoever's is empty first, loses. Everybody can understand that. It's very simple. And Although that's not how Smash Brothers I was about to say, <laughs> and granted, there are some games that have twists on that or Smash. It's funny how often I run into people that don't understand how the Smash percentage thing works. Yeah. They're like, how can they still be alive after they're at 100% damage? I'm like, well, because it's not damage. It's just likelihood you're going to get smashed off yeah. the stage. Yeah. And that depends on weight and yeah. the power you gotta of the attack. you got to deliver that Smash. The, yeah. yeah. Means this was called yeah. Smash Brothers. Uh, you're right, though. Most people don't get that. No, they're just like, wait, when you get to 175, are you dead? No, that's no, not you're, how it you're works. just more likely to die. It's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's the chances yeah. you're gonna die next time you get tagged. Basically, are very high, but yeah. you still have that chance. And that's something I kind of like about Smash, though. I think it would be faster if there were just life bars. So oh, it I'm, would be I'm way not, faster. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not that. I'm, I, I think it's a fun mechanic when I play it. It's not that fun to watch yeah. to me. Yeah, it does drag on. So there you go. That's Evo 2019. Congratulations to the to the organization. I thought it did an excellent job with the with the whole event again this year. Um, anecdotally online, the chatter seemed to be positive from people who were there. Mm-hmm. So Come a long way from a bunch of dudes in the Sunnyvale Golfland Arcade. They absolutely did. So, congrats, Evo 2019. We'll see you next year. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk Oh, next. and there was the announcement that uh, the worst-kept secret in games is finally out. Riot, the you know uh, Seth's company for that, were, that was bought by Riot, is making a fighting game. And it's a League of Legends fighting game. Almost certainly, yeah. yeah. It's a good idea. Dude, League of Legends chess has is, like, gigantic. Is it? Yeah. They launched it for the first time in my life. I went to play League of Legends the other day, and I had to sit in a queue. Because people are piling into that chess variant mm. of League of Legends. It's gigantic. Well, I did enjoy the uh, the blurb on Sifted where it was like, Riot finally finally attempts to earn the plural in their name. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they are just, they're pretty much Riot game. Yeah, they? yeah, they are. Absolutely. But not for long. I know. They have, they have so many games they've developed internally that they never released. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. It is. Like, they have money to burn. They do. Like they, they, they have no reason to release something they are not 100% proud and confident in. Yeah, and they won't. Nope. <laughs> but I would love to see uh, Seth get a chance to put out that game. Yeah. Put out a fighting game because like, if you want me to ever learn who these League of Legends characters are, you there need you to go. put them in a fighting game, yeah, yeah. And, and then I will learn them. I mean, think about the roster that they have already. Oh, the roster would be great. There's I mean, it's right there. People. Yeah. I mean, their DLC will go forever. And, and that's ro- if just existing characters, yeah. existing champs. like And skins for days. And I mean, yeah. They already have skin. Like, every champ has, like, yeah. ten skins already. Like, I mean, it's all right there. I mean, and, like, that's, like, I mean, it'll be cool to have, like, fighting game-specific skins, but, like, you have endless... You don't even need to think about it. You're just like, oh, just do They're these. already there. You the people will still want their... You know, they'll want their LOL skill skins in the fighting game. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's like, yeah. Also, think about the fact if what you've done in the base League of Legends game carries over into the fighting game. So if right. I've unlocked a skin for Teemo in the MOBA, when I buy it and I play as Teemo... Do I have my skin there? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll modify it. If that game comes out and Riot backs it, 
that could be the the final match in grand finals next probably year. not next year depends when they're coming yeah. out yeah but, but it's going to be gigantic. It's going to make huge with, waves. With, uh, with how much money matters uh, in terms of the lineup, um, I, and because Seth is such an integral part of the community, I would imagine that Riot would back that, and he would you know, have the clout. To right, kinda... because they can pay for it to be fresh right. if they want to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, yeah. so, yeah, keep an eye on that one. I mean, uh, I hate to say it, but... Can you imagine that, like, two years from now, like, like the, the, grand, the big like, events of EVO might be Smash Brothers and the League of Legends fighting game. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but timeline. League of Legends fighting game could become the biggest fighting game in the world overnight. It could become a hell of a gateway drug. Yeah, for like, sure. Get get even like what like ten percent of the people that play League of Legends to play that fighting game. Uh, it's biggest ever. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty boggles the mind, really. We'll see though. They still have to deliver a decent game. They do. I mean, but but they have Seth, Seth there. Seth is. I have no no doubts about Seth. Yeah. Seth, All right. Seth will give us something worth playing if Riot lets us play it. Yeah. All right, so let's move on for real this time. We're going to talk about Madden again. We did talk about it last week, but I mostly talked about the new campaign mode, which I am not a fan of. Um, But over the last few days, I have been playing a good bit of Madden, and I dove into Madden Ultimate Team. Um, For those of you who don't know, this is Madden's most popular mode. It's the mode that is used for eSports, and it's basically just fantasy football, the football video game. Mm. Um, When you start out... When I started out, I got, I did get like a, I didn't get like the collector's edition, but I, EA did send me like a special edition that gave me a little bit more free stuff when I first started. So when I started Ultimate Team, I had nine packs of cards to open right away. And uh, I wanted to play Ultimate Team because one, it's the mode that they play the most. It's a mode that's in esports, but it's also the mode that dredges up the most controversy. And I had not... I had not really checked it out since like the second or third year they launched it because they weren't changing it much. And I was like, I get it. I understand how this works. I don't need to go back and look at it. But I wanted to this year because there's so much controversy over loot boxes Mm -hmm. and how EA is handling things like that. I wanted to play it so I had a refreshed frame of reference for it. And what I would say about Ultimate Team is EA is really smart. So... When you first start playing Ultimate Team, it is just a deluge of free stuff. So at first when you boot it up, there's all these coins that you can get that you use to like train your players, but you also get nine packs of cards. Um, you go through those nine packs of cards and you go back to the menu and miraculously there's like three more packs there. It's just hmm. literally the first probably 40 minutes I played Ultimate Team, it was just opening card packs. Um, and then you start playing challenges. And I had for, kind of forgotten this because I hadn't played the mode for a long time. The challenges are so stupid. So you don't play full games. It's just like get 50 yards rushing in the first quarter and throw for a touchdown. Or get 100 yards passing and run for two touchdowns. And it's ridiculous because what you end up doing is you're like, okay, I need to run for touchdowns this time. So like I threw like a bomb to Juju Smith-Schuster. He catches it. He's streaking down the sideline for a touchdown. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I have to run it in. So I run out of bounds at the one yard line. So then I can run another play and run it in. And that's what you find yourself doing the whole time. So Playing by yourself, the solo structure of it is absurd, but it also is the best and easiest way to actually make headway. If you play head-to-head against other teams, against other human players with their ultimate teams, 
you don't earn as many rewards. So the game encourages you to play through the single player challenges, which is what I spent the bulk of my time on. So the challenges are dumb. Uh, they make you play in weird ways that aren't really true to NFL football. Um, so actually working through that mode was kind of crappy. And the other thing that I noticed too is after a while, the card packs start drying up. Mm -hmm. And as the card packs start drying up, it becomes more prominent. They start pointing you to how you can buy the Madden points so that you can buy packs yourself. Um, it's basically a Pokemon football game. But you can't really earn all the Pokemon cards by playing. I guess maybe you could, but the grind that I've already seen as far as how many coins they give you through play is really low. Most of the currency that you get for free by playing are the points that you use to upgrade your existing players. So you can you can upgrade them. Also, your if your lineup, there's like synergies, just like Fire Emblem. Like <laughs> if mm. you have players that are on the same team or players that played for the same college they'll get performance boosts so there's some there's some strategy involved in how you stack your starting lineup and how you stack your rosters uh, the menu systems are cumbersome and awkward and slow also i don't know if you know have you noticed a problem with fire emblem with menus lagging no i have i was just just anecdotally just wondering i've noticed like it chugs when certain things transition uh, like sometimes when it zooms in for a, a, a hit or something in a battle. Most notably, I there's often a weird little hitch or chug when it switches to the fishing minigame. Yeah. Which, considering how timing-based that first hit is, oh, yeah, that can screw <laughs> that screwed me up a couple. Like, oh well, the frame. I mean, I don't know how you. Man, that system is so underpowered. <laughs> it really it, is, it's just yeah. astounding. It's kind of a miracle what they're doing with it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. pretty amazing what they're getting out of it. But like, just. Just a tad more, just just a yeah. little more juice in there would be good. But uh, but like Fire Emblem, you're yeah. living in the menus in ult Ultimate Team. And so you really need a good UI that lets you jump between stuff really quickly instead of having to get, instead of going forward three levels and then having to back out three levels to get back. Like that's kind of how it operates. So I guess what I would say after playing, and I've played a good bit, I've probably played 10 hours of Ultimate Team at this point. The most fun I had was playing against other Ultimate Teams online. But you get very little rewards, and the balance in it is all jacked up, like the matchmaking. It's like you get an overall rating for your team, and I think Madden, I think the game tries to get other players that are kind of close to that, but it doesn't do a really good job. And the other problem, too, is if one player – or if, if your opponent has a couple players that they've really leveled up, they stand out like a sore thumb. Like, you can't block them. You can't tackle them. Um, also, an addendum to the X-Factors stuff that I mentioned last week. Now that I've played with X-Factors for a while longer, I, I hardly even notice them. Like, they're almost impossible to notice. And for those of you who maybe didn't watch last week's show, the X-Factors are kind of like the supers for players. You can't fire them off manually. They just happen organically through play. But they're... I, You'd never notice them because players already have signature traits, each player. So Ben Roethlisberger, for instance, like uh, his open receiver will always highlight first, which gives, which helps you. Like when you're searching the field for an open guy, there's an, like an icon that'll pop up. And, and he, there are other quarterbacks that have that same attribute as Ben, but I just, I've been playing with Ben. So he has this attribute where the open receiver will flash on the screen first, and that's very helpful. But that's been in the game forever. Um, I really struggle to see the X-Factor stuff at all. 
Um, and the balancing and ultimate team I, I felt was kind of lacking. But uh, I think overall that I've experienced most of this year's Madden, I, I would wholeheartedly not recommend buying this game. There is really very little that's been changed. I've been, now that I've spent a lot of time with it, I'm pretty shocked at some of the review scores that have come out for this game. Um, so many franchises get hammered so hard for just putting out the same game with a couple tweaks. And for whatever re- reason, Madden seemed to escape that this year. But this is basically the same game uh, that we've had for the last two years. So I, I recommended this when I talked about it the first time. And I'm going to reiterate it here again. Uh, go buy an old version of Madden and just update the rosters. Not that many players have moved from last season. You could probably get last year's game for like 10 or 15 bucks. The servers are still up. Online play is still there. Online franchise mode is still there. Um, so... I'm pretty surprised at the Metacritic for this game, having now spent a good chunk of time with it. But, you know, some people are just going to buy Madden every year no matter what. And uh, for those people, have at it. But for the people who kind of pick and choose the years to buy Madden, this is not the year to do it. So, And last year will probably be the last year of Generation 8. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not. They do carry Madden a little bit longer than I mean, they'll probably still put it out for the next few years, but... yeah. It you know nothing's going to change. Because the <laughs> yeah. they'll start shifting their focus over to the PS5 and mm-hmm. uh, Xbox One. And you'll, it'll be like the Switch versions of sports games are now, where the new version gets all the new features and the old version gets left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do not recommend buying this year's Madden. Uh, if you haven't bought it for eight years, it is the best kind of most refined version of that game you played like at the beginning of this generation. Uh, but there still aren't any groundbreaking features that really stand out or make the game different than it's been in the last several iterations. So there you go. I promise the last time we're going to talk about Madden NFL 20 on Game Face. Because <laughs> I know there's so many sports fans that watch the show. But uh, it is pretty much, well, I guess FIFA is hands down the biggest sports game in the world. Yeah. I wonder if FIFA outsells Madden in the U.S. I don't know. Um... I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at this point. Yeah, but I think it's probably close. Whereas in yeah. Europe, like they probably sell like ten thousand copies oh, no. of Madden a year or something they, they like that. They even put it out there. I think they do. I think they do still. Yeah. Figure it'd be like how they don't release the cricket games here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think NFL. Well, actually, no, cricket's gigantic. Cricket's huge. It is. It's like the second biggest sport in yeah. the world behind soccer. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was in uh, back in '98. I was in England during the cricket world finals between England and uh, I think it was Sri Lanka. And uh, you could not get away. It was everywhere. It was wow. every bar we went to, every restaurant we went to, everyone was watching it. Um, I've tried to watch it. I and after a I while, <laughs> like, well, we spent an entire evening in a bar in Stratford-upon-Avon, Shakespeare's birth, birthplace. Yeah. We spent a whole night because we we'd slept because of jet lag and we missed the, the, um, the play we had tickets to. So we were like, let's just go to the pub. So we went to the pub. And there was like it was like a locals place we didn't realize and like they're like what are, what are the Yanks doing here? But they ended up being like really nice to us and like they were watching um, the cricket match and like a couple guys like tried to explain it to us and like they tried to teach you yeah pretty much and like after like by by like, the end of like three days like I understood what was happening but like I've lost that knowledge since like I by the like but but I I got it after a while there I understood cricket I understood why it was interesting but now and it was it was like I mean <laughs> I mean it was super high it was the world championships it was super high level play um, and everyone and everyone we, everywhere you went was excited about it so I so I got excited about it because it was just like a new thing uh, Ian McGar says in chat that he uh, checked and even in the states FIFA dominated Madden 
I feel like that's I feel like, like I said it wouldn't it doesn't surprise me like yeah. soccer's gotten so much bigger it has I mean the um, MLS is like thriving yeah and also like demographics and demographics change and you know you've got huge Latino populations that like care about fo- uh, football more than football you, you know? also have the hate campaigns against tackle football right now right yeah everyone telling their parents not telling parents not to put their kids and in i mean it. when i was growing up i was more interested in soccer video games because i played soccer right i didn't play yeah, football it makes I played, a difference. i played Absolutely. soccer so i understood it better and it was more like something i could identify with yeah and football is just getting murdered right now as far as youth sports is concerned like no one's playing it like all these little peewee and uh pop warner leagues are folding parents just don't want their kids getting concussions i can't say i blame hard, hard, hard to blame them yeah I don't know. I played football all the way through high school, and it taught me a lot about life. I feel like sports will do that in general. They though. do, but football in particular because it's such a physical sport where you're you're experiencing physical pain every 35 seconds. You have to learn to fight through pain to accomplish your goal with a team. That's, that's definitely something I want my 10-year-old to learn. It taught me a lot, though. I mean, it made me tough, and not just physically and able to take abuse or punishment. It made me mentally tough. And uh, I, you know, I, I have tons of nieces and nephews. I have one nephew that's playing football. Mm. Back when I played football, everybody I knew played football, and all my relatives played football. I think there are huge. Shift. I think there are other routes to mental toughness than ramming your head into another kid over and over again. Though, there's got to be ways that don't lead to CTE. I mean, there probably are. Have them um, lift weights or something. That hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. I mean, obviously, that's part of football, too. But. It is. Yeah, it is a part of it. Yeah. I don't know. I played all the sports, and I feel like football taught me the most of all of them. I played every sport. I, I think part of that is just baseball, the... basketball, soccer, football, all of them. Yeah, but I Hockey. think part of that is just the culture around football that exists in especially high school football that exists in this country. And if, you know, so, you know if, it sh- if that culture shifts that culture will spring up around something else eventually. It will. But I think the other thing about football that set it apart for me is that it's 11 people that you're working with at a time. And I realize soccer also has 11 people. But, and baseball has nine or whatever. Winning 11. Right. But with football, every play, all 11 people matter. Play baseball, you got you put your worst player out in right field. He may not get a fly ball all game. Can Seiko. I mean, right, but like <laughs> almost any sport, soccer, if you're a if you're, I was also right field, so I, yeah, I got no room to talk. Yeah, if you're a defender in soccer, you stand back like the whole time and you only interact oh, yeah. with certain Football. Well, baseball is bizarre because it's the only game in the world. I think it's the only game in the world where the d- defense has control of the ball at all times. Right, right. With football, all 11 people, every single play has to do their job. Every time. Mm-hmm. If one person doesn't do his job, it all goes to crap. And no other sport is like that. So I think football teaches you lessons that other sports don't. It also teaches <laughs> you to be tough. It Everyone to will let through. you down. That is, it, yeah, <laughs> You're good, right. Good lesson for the corporate No, world. but you're right. You have to learn that lesson no, eventually. And you do learn that in football. Like that guy beside you, if he doesn't do his job, you look bad. Because mm-hmm. it, it, while it's happening live, they're just like, oh, the whole left side didn't yeah, do Maybe it right. you're the guy who got run down and looked terrible, but it happened because, because he didn't do Because some other guy didn't did. do his job. Yeah, yeah so anyway, um, I, enjoy, I really love playing football. And I was glad to see I have at least one nephew that's playing. Hmm. I had a blast playing it. And I didn't really get too hurt. I got concussions, but it only affected me a little. <laughs> 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 what did he say? That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Andre's cracking a joke. There he is. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the ESA. 
The ESA. Speaking of letting down. Speaking speaking of being let down. Yeah, the ESA and E3. Uh, so this past week, it was revealed by well, Patrick. Maybe you know more about this than I do, but mm-hmm. the end result is that the ESA allowed the press contacts and influencer contact list to be accessible on its website. In some cases, those lists from did you say two thousand and four? Uh, it was so originally it was just the 2019 media list uh, that was what broke I think on Friday or Friday night and uh, I mean Klepik was involved but it was broken by uh, this woman Sophia something she's working for Colin Moriarty right now which okay um, <laughs> shocker but um, she had the story and she knew about it I think since June and she was trying to like you know, get all the ducks in a row journalistically, but she was talking to Klepek because Klepek had, you know, Klepek breaks stuff all the time and he connections with the ESA. And I think, according to Klepek, I think he's the one who contacted the ESA and said, this is going to break. You need to take this down. So did she reach out to Klepek? I or, think so, Or did yeah. Klepek find out on his own? I she believe reached she reached out to him. Okay. And um, uh, this is going off what Klepek had said about this. So it's kind of you know his version of events i yeah, guess it's hearsay and he um and he's contacted them and they said okay we'll take it down because the story's coming and then they didn't do it right and the cash was still available and he's and he said to her like well you need to wait on the story because uh they didn't do it right so they need time to like f- you know completely scrub it so no one can access it anymore and she said well i don't want to get scooped and she went with it anyway so she ran it because she, she ran was afraid it. someone else would run the story. right because at that point a bunch of other people knew um, and uh, how do you feel about that? I think it's irresponsible and pathetic. Um, that it's not considering like the the level of uh, threat that some of these people have been exposed to, and a lot of them have finally moved on or changed their address, or ch- and now this has been exposed again. It's very irresponsible. It's not how journalism works. Um, and uh, you know, it sucks if you get scooped because you're doing the right thing, but you still got to do the right thing. So I'm not very impressed by that. Is she uh, now? Is she the bad guy in this scenario? Because no, the ESA, the ESA is the one the that did the guy. stupid yeah. thing. <laughs> you know, it's not even really a leak because they did it intentionally. You know, like like the ESA thought it was there as a resource for people to contact media, like for like you know. Uh, dist- uh, you know, uh, exhibitioners, exhibit exhibitors, to, yeah. exhibitors to contact the press, and it's like, no. <laughs> I mean, they have our home addresses, right? Now. I mean, just, it's just floating. There's out no, there there's no communication community. difficulty between the media and the and the industry. It's, yeah. I mean, that's the media's job is <laughs> to make sure that they can contact us, right? And so, then yesterday it come it comes out from other reporters that. Uh, until I think Monday morning, because the, they couldn't do it. They, they held it over the weekend because the ESA wasn't going to be at work to to fix the problem. The media lists for uh, 2004 and 2006 were also up the whole time for who knows how long. Um, well, they got my old address too. But it was, yeah, so <laughs> so it was, it was a name. It was name, place of work, title, phone number, address, email, etc. I'm pretty sure all mine would not. That would I've been on. I've been under major corporations for all those years, so I don't you think that would be my. Working, although address. I did get a lot more uh, robocalls yesterday, so maybe maybe my phone number's in there. Uh, I haven't looked at the list. Uh, I think the phone number bothers me more than the addresses, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a target for like 
jerks and weirdos, really. Um, until but like, you are. Until you are. But like, <laughs> but I, I'm, you know, there's some people on that list that really didn't want their private information out there, and the idea that you can't trust the ESA with that is bonkers. It like, is bonkers. I mean, I have called that a clown shoe organization many times in my in my time, but this is astounding. For like, the this data is, from 2004 to still what, be what there? What the hell? That's insane. Like, what is even... Like, none of that's even relevant. I mean, is there a single person in that list that wouldn't have moved on to a different set of contact info by now? Like, what? I, You know what? I think I still have the same phone number I had in 2004. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, I've had the same phone number for a long time. But I, my phone number, I don't think, was, was on that through G4 because G4 would have put our office Your word work number. number. Yeah. Like, there would have been... Like, none of that information is... is current at this point so why is it up like what like i mean probably just why was it ever up why was, yeah why was it ever publicly accessible ever it's nonsense it's it's completely i mean and i'm i'm i don't know the legality of i mean it's not a it's not a legal thing i don't think in america but i know that mishandling of private information is is punishable by very large fines in the european union um i don't know if european union would have jurisdiction over that because the esa is a u.s-based company but they mishandled european citizens data so i don't know if the eu has some kind of recourse for that i don't know how that well, the works. recourse doesn't freaking matter anyway so well it matters in the sense of like you gotta hit the, hit the esa for this somehow yeah yeah i mean but i mean the that, damage is done what does that do though i don't know like it just makes E3 crappier next year because they don't have as much money. Like, well, i don't know what happened <laughs> what happens now like is that, do the do the media people want to go again I don't know. I mean, like, how much do you think this is going to influence whether exhibitors? Because without the exhibitors, there's nothing. So how do, yeah. how much do you think it's going to affect exhibitors wanting to go back to the show? Do you I think mean, I sure, if I were an exhibitor, I sure would be looking at what, how they handle people's data. I mean, yeah. it happened just to media this time, right? But, like, but see, that's the thing. It was us, and it wasn't them, right? And so maybe they're like, ah, eh, the ESA screwed up, but possible. But at the same time, it's like if they screw up that hard on us, they could screw up that hard on you. you they know? can like, absolutely. Um, it, you know that's a that's a psychological investigation i think is like how how that plays into the mindset of yeah. you know how important i mean i think it, at the very least it makes it that much harder to convince the people the the companies that have already left right, to, to come, come back. back absolutely it makes a big difference um but you know like equifax when it was breached like i lost my uh my identity in that and people ruined my credit mm -hmm. with that information you've had a lot of that kind of thing Hey, I, I had to fight with Verizon. It was like an eight-month process after I figured out it had even happened. Well, yeah, that, that even happened. Remember, uh, there was somebody at Tech TV that was doing that, and they got you after we moved Oh, right. Here. That's right. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. that And that caused me – I still have to file my taxes with a PIN number, mm -hmm. and I still cannot get direct deposit from my tax returns. They have to wow. send me hard checks. Because of that. Because of that. Still, all these years later. This the Equifax thing was even worse because Verizon what these what and I said this on today's high score but some people may not have watched it the way it works is that these people like Verizon these companies they're incentivized to not make it easy for you mm -hmm. because they realize if you solve the case they're never getting their money Right. So they make you jump through like 8,000 hoops to get it removed from your credit because they figure eventually you'll get sick of it and you'll just pay it. And I refused. Out of principle, probably if I looked at the time that I spent 
on it. I, like, I spent more than that. I love this B-roll. It's just like it's just like these are the people dancing because they got our phone numbers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that dude right there just got my digits. <laughs> anyway, it's getting your identity stolen. If you've never had it happen to you, I don't think you can appreciate how much it sucks. Mm. It's this thing that happens that trickles down into everything, and then. You're like, okay, well, I'm good. And then you get it fixed, and you look, and it's fixed on one credit reporting agency, but not fixed on the two. It's a nightmare. The good news is they didn't get social security numbers with this. That's really Mm -hmm. the key to screwing up your life. Once they get that stuff, that's really bad. But having all the rest of it, you can do a lot of stuff with that information. I mean, the concern here is is stalkers, death threats, you know, the crazy crazy people that have, you know, a lot of the people on that list have been targeted. I mean, Klepek. Is a target. I've he, been targeted. He uh, he tried to he filed a police report, but the police were like, "We can't really do anything about it." Like they put a little note on his account or something that says like they might somebody might come after him. But like, what can you do? There's nothing you can do really. Yeah, like, and then Equifax. The, inter- the police and the law enforcement and law law enforcement and like the legal system are really still not in this country equipped to deal with internet origin nope. crime. No, there aren't even laws in place for them to deal with it properly. They have to like look at other laws and try to apply them. Mm. And it doesn't always work. And then when these companies do get caught, like Equifax, it's like, what did it get charged with, like $5 billion? I don't even remember what it was. It I was don't a, know. When you first heard it, it seemed like a gigantic settlement. So they announced this past week, okay, everyone who's affected gets $125. I was like, that's nothing, but it's better than You might even not get that. And now it turns yeah. out you're getting – they're like, go get the free credit monitoring. It's like, bro – my bank does credit monitoring for free now. There's no value in credit monitoring anymore, at least for Especially me. Especially not from them. Yeah, why would I want to have them? It's insane. <laughs> so I don't think that this is anywhere near as bad as, like, the Equifax breach, but I think it's no. more personal because yeah. you're right. Like, there are people who have already targeted the people who are on that list, mm-hmm. and myself included, I still live at the address that they got. So... They can't get into my place because I live in an yeah. apartment complex and everything, but still. And there's people, I, I mean, I, I personally know pro- uh, at least a dozen people who have moved or changed their address or changed things, whatever, to get away from that kind of thing um, over the last, like, you know, six to ten years. And now they're back at the score one. Yeah. Like, you know, and, they, and they're just waiting for it to happen. So the fallout. I mean, honestly, I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to hurt the ESA in any way. I don't. I don't think people are not going to go to E3 that would have gone to E3. I don't think it's going to change anything for them. The other, they have the benefit of time, mm-hmm. meaning E3 is like 11 months away still, and a lot of people will have forgotten about this by the time E3 rolls around again. Um, I'll tell you this much: I'm not going to take any shit from the registration people about media anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think the other problem, too, is that people just aren't sympathetic to people getting their identity stolen. If you've never had it happen to you, it's hard to understand how much it sucks. And if you've never been harassed by people online before, you can't understand why you would be afraid that the Internet just got your address. Like, if you don't have to deal with this stuff, you can't really comprehend what it's like when you have to. Like, Internet hate campaigns, like people who have never gone through one of those have no right to ever talk about them because it is, it's this thing that you don't get until you go through it. And I mean, to me, this should be the end of the ESA. Like, I think it should be, a new organization should be built up that does the same thing and the ESA should be torn down and that should be the end of it. Like, this is a, this is so like basic and so much like 
the the fun the professed function, not necessarily the actual function, but the professed function of the ESA is to be a shield, a protector, a protection yeah. against mistreatment and horrible things that can happen from you know from a legislative point of view, from a social point of view, whatever. And the you know especially in light of everything that's happened since GamerGate started and all that, like this is just an absolute debacle. Like like there is no explanation or excuse that can suffice and it should be the end of them it won't be it won't be but it should yeah. be the end of it like we need a better we need a better lobby organization we do um it's it's been really bad the last couple of years and it did just get a new president i i tend to want to lean on i mean i do feel sorry giving for that him guy. a chance because this isn't his fault all this stuff happened after e3 he wasn't in control of his website of the website or whatever but it is a really really bad look um, and I hope nothing. What if something terrible does happen out of this? I mean, a lot of terrible things have happened this week. They have. So, no, there's a non-zero chance. And I think the timing of this too, you know, with all the shootings that happened in the U.S. over the last few days, mm-hmm. the which timing, now video games have been dragged into. Right. So. I, the timing could not be worse yeah. for this to happen because people are hyper vigilant about pe- angry people getting their contact information. Mm-hmm. So, uh. It's bad, but you're right. The the gaming industry deserves better than what the ESA is giving it right now. Um, I would say that if it came down between the ESA being dissolved, basically if it came down between the ESA or E3, it's hard for me to say get rid of the ESA if there won't be an E3 next year. Because it pr- there probably wouldn't be an E3 next year if they decided to ditch the ESA. No, or the ESA no. would go ahead and do it and nobody would go. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. If, we'll see what the results are. I mean, I, it, it, if nothing of note occurs except a bunch of people got scared because you know the potential for harm was there, but nothing actually really happens, then next year everyone's going to grumble. But they'll see. They'll go back. But if something really bad happens, if if you know if, death, if a death happens, if you know if and it can be tied to that's how they got the information. Good luck. I mean, well, I mean, the ESA will then the ESA will definitely be gone because it will be sued out of existence. Mm-hmm. I mean, Europe. I think the EU can still come at them for some stuff. I mean, yeah, probably they're going to face some definite fines. Yeah, um, class action, something probably. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I hope we get more than one hundred twenty-five bucks. It's just it, it's, <laughs> first of all, the the that website is pathetic. Oh, it's awful. It yeah. is was built in like two thousand and one, and hasn't been updated since. It doesn't yeah. operate properly. It's clunky. It's old. It's, it's embarrassing. Ugly. It's embarrassing. For like a, even it, without this, like sending someone to that site, and this is like your this is your major lobby organization yeah. that represents the industry, and that's what your website that looks represents. Like. A technology industry yeah. that's on the bleeding Electronics edge. in your damn name. Yeah. Software is in your damn yeah. name. But it just shows you they'd rather write checks for their own salaries than build a website. Yeah, it's not electronic. It's entertainment, isn't it? What? No, it's Electronic stuff. Entertainment Expo, E3. Yeah, but I meant ESA stands for Entertainment Software yeah, Association. Yeah. Or whatever. Not Electronic uh, Software Association. Yeah, because software is electronic. Yeah. By definition. Is. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's unless a, you're it's like redundant, about, I guess. Yeah, unless you're talking about socks. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is different. Spelling. So once again, the ESA has completely dropped the ball. Um, you're, I don't know how many more chances it gets, but I, my guess is some of the big players who contribute a ton of money to the ESA every year goes and says, "Look, like you guys got to clean this up. Mm-hmm. We we can't let you represent us if this is the stuff that you're doing. Um, it's ugly, 
But, you know, luckily this is one of those stories that doesn't make it to the CNNs and the NBC.coms and stuff like that. Uh, because it, it'll insulate the industry a little bit from sort of, shame. But, but but it also doesn't matter because the people that are the, the concern here aren't watching CNN. Right. They already, they already got it. Yeah. They already know. That's true. Yeah. So, so. ESA, clean it up. You got to clean up your backyard, man. You got to mm-hmm. get it locked down. You can't be operating like this. It's like you better, a and you better hope nothing happens. Like I would, I would set aside some money, right? Not just for fines. I'd set aside some money to start paying, paying some media people's like medical bills. Yeah, it could be possible. Absolutely. Um, there are certain people that have been targeted for years, mm-hmm. and now those people that that are targeting are have their their information if they didn't already, which yeah. they probably did anyway. So entirely possible, but like this doesn't help. It definitely doesn't. All right, it's time to move on. And, We're gonna... and somewhere out there, our tech TV and G four, our tech TV addresses are getting spammed to hell and back. <laughs> it's true. Because two thousand four would have been our tech. We would have been tech TV. Yeah, so. we would have been. Yeah, and those are long gone. Oh yeah. So good luck with Alan. Uh, anyway, let's move on. We're going to talk next about an oldie. But not necessarily... But a, now a newie. But not That's a, about as far as I'll go with and it. Not necessarily a goodie. And that is Metal Wolf Chaos XD. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game was originally an Xbox exclusive developed by From Software. And when people heard it was coming back, there was jubilation in the streets. People mm-hmm. were dancing and celebrating. And we kind of said, hey, you may want to yeah. slow your roll a little bit. I mean, it's uh, it, was, it was only in Japan it never came here. Which is one of the reasons it was sort of infamous was because... The forbidden fruit. It's a crazy premise, and it seems like it should be cool, but, like... Yeah, because the premise is basically... So it's... Uh, it's it's meant Several years after the first quarter of the 21st century, uh, <laughs> uh, and, like, uh, something... So go- 2025. 2025, late 2020s, uh, something... A bunch of economic problems, immigration problems... I mean, it's wow. it's a little profe- <laughs> like the opening scroll crawl is like prophetic. It's wow. like basically all this stuff happens and the America goes like super weird and like like uh, like paramilitary coup d'etats rise in ever in all the major cities and um, the the forty seventh president uh, Michael Wilson I think is his name <laughs> has to get in his giant mech and stop the vice president from conquering the country. With wow. like all the military, because <laughs> the military, I guess, is sided with the vice president. Oh, and um, so the opening thing is like he, you know, you get in the the president gets in the mech and he busts out the front of the White House, which I think you're about to see here, and uh, starts a huge fight and begins gunning down American soldiers <laughs> with machine guns and bazookas, which oh my is gosh. an interesting way of handling the situation, but um. So yeah, the story is basically the uh, the president and his assistant uh, are the last hope for freedom uh, in the world and have to use a mech suit to fight the entire American military, which is being led by a traitorous <laughs> vice president. Um, there was a time this was very fantastical. I don't. I mean, the mech suit is a little unbelievable, but the rest of the it rest is not, of it not, not so completely off anymore, the board yeah. anymore. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, and this has really been a criticism even going back to when it originally came out, uh, it's a lot more fun to tell someone what this game is about than to play it. Yeah. Um, it is basically a mod of Armored Core, uh, and it... I mean, it's a this is a remaster. I mean, it is a remake slash remaster. I think it's more of a remaster, judging by the texture quality. 
No, um, originally it was published at 720p. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it looked pretty good for the time. Yeah. I mean, the original Xbox. But the problem, so I only, I went live last night. I played like two missions. I played two missions because that's all I could take, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not good. It's it's very floaty. Uh, there's the, the weapons don't feel like they have a lot of impact, which was actually a problem that some of the arm, armored cores had at the time. Um, it's just it's just thoroughly mindless and clunky. Clun- it's it's, it's very clunky. It. Just annoying um, to play. And it's just I mean you're seeing some really cherry picked scenes here. These are the trailers. Like, yeah. yeah, they're they're real. It's <laughs> the rest of it doesn't look like you're you're mostly looking at like. You know, when you Buildings blow, made out of two polygons. You blow a video, uh, uh, blow a, a truck up or a tank up, and you see it pop up and bounce around the way you know the way vehicles did when it's like it was like we want to want with our vehicles to have physics, but we don't actually want to use a physics engine kind of thing. We're just gonna put havoc on everything. It was. It's not even havoc. It's <laughs> oh, not really? even as good as havoc. I mean, I, I don't think it is. I mean, it reminds me more of anything than anything else. It reminds me of uh, Earth Defense Force. Uh, okay, it you know? looks like Earth Defense Force. Yeah, there's there's some Earth Defense Force in there. Uh, it's it's all voice acted. I think it's using voice acting from the original. Uh, it seems to be English dialogue written by Japanese speakers. Uh, it is not how anyone speaks in English. Um, very bizarre. It's it's you know it reads like a raw translation. It, it reads like a raw translation of an anime. Um, and if that entertains you, you'll love it. If it if you just find it embarrassing, which is really more where I'm at. Uh, it's it's very hard to sit through. I mean, let's be honest. The um, only reason Richard, people- Richard Hawk there is the vice president. Uh, so the vice president in uh, two administrations from now will apparently be Solid Snake. Like he, <laughs> he look he just got, he looks like some like a Metal Gear character. He looks like Solid Snake had a kid with Revolver Ocelot. I mean, let's be honest. If this game weren't developed by From Software, nobody would care. Well, I think well, no one cared that it was from. I mean, from software hasn't had a reputation until really until um, uh, armored, uh, not armored core, Dark Souls. Dark Souls. Yeah, but that's my point. Is this new generation of people only know from software from Dark Souls? Well, they would care. They would care because this is kind of a legendary game in one one of those like it's a ridiculous game that never came here. So like, there's an allure to it that's always been a. Th- I mean, that goes back to Batman on the Genesis when I think it was Die Hard the game fan reported on it and said it was the greatest thing ever made but it's never coming here sorry you'll never get to play it and then it came out here eventually and it was like nah, this is kind of mediocre actually yeah. mr halverson like <laughs> well i think he has so other fr- reviews you should uh, pick a fight over oh i mean <laughs> sonic 2006 is the dumbest review i've ever read in my life well he gave it a perfect 10 he gave it a 9.5 out of 10 yeah and then he downgraded that to an 8.5 out of 10 when when he said oh they told me they were going to fix the load screens and they didn't so it gets an 8.5 <laughs> I <think. laughs> yeah. oh boy the magazine days look up that and look up the uh the cyber force was that was cyber morph the cyber morph yeah. review from the jaguar where he he ends the review by saying come pet the cat <laughs> Most people watching this have no idea who he even is. He's been gone for so long. He has, but uh, yeah. he 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 ran Die Hard Game Fan, which kind of created the console war uh, yeah. c- culture back in the day. Yeah. And then he ran Play Magazine, which was fun to read for your like monthly dose of bat shit. But yeah. like that was, it was like about the, it. Glo- it was like a really it was very glossy. It, yeah. It was very well. La- I mean, he his magazines always had the best layouts and some of the best graphics and yeah. stuff like that. And like it was all about kind of like it was flashy. But the in the days of screenshots, there. you couldn't get any better. But if you tried to read it, you were just like, what the hell? Like, are you OK? 
<laughs> but like Metal, Metal Wolf Chaos is sort of the exact if it was the exact kind of game that like magazines like that would champion as like ah it's amazing and you'll never get to play it because you you know you'd have to buy um, import a copy of it which after you know it wasn't a hit there either you know it was it was yeah. it, you know shortly after it was out of print you were paying two hundred bucks for a copy of this thing and and that's on top of shipping from Japan and then you couldn't play it without a Japanese Xbox or in our case we had debugs is that, that we, true did was the Xbox region locked? I believe it was. I don't remember. Actually. That was definitely one of the reasons I never, I never got it. I, oh, I never okay. got it for two reasons: a, it was too expensive, uh, and b, I didn't have an Xbox to play. Also, because everyone who played it said it was terrible. And right. then we eventually did get a copy of it for like one of our weird games things or something at, at Tech TV, and which we played on the D, and it was awful. And it's not any better now. And I mean, you might have kind of some nice nostalgia of like, hey, remember when games sucked? <laughs> like, <laughs> Look like at how it, much you, better they are now. I mean, you don't really get like C-list garbage like this anymore. The way, you know, I, I mean, yeah. and, and there's a, there's a cult around that kind of thing. I mean, it's called you know in Japan it's called kusoge, which is short for kuso gaming, like shit games. Yeah. It literally means shit games. Yeah. And like you know, you, you enjoying playing kind of these bad to mediocre games that um, are sort of like you know, it's like watching those. Sh- it's like the equivalent of watching schlock horror movies on VHS. Yeah. You know? It's that kind of and, uh, yeah. and like I get that that's an appeal but for twenty five bucks eh, too much yeah I mean I was annoyed that Soul Seraph cost me fifteen and this is ten bucks more <laughs> and it's more it's more of a game I guess but like it's still kind of like oh I mean I mean I'm not looking forward to going back and playing more of it to tell you that much. will you maybe just to make myself feel better about the money, about the money. although <laughs> I don't you know I, I there's I'm I'm really am thinking about uh, asking you know. Apply, doing the refund application. Oh yeah, for it. you can do that. Because I'm, I definitely haven't played two hours of it. Yeah, or whatever. So yeah, you should do it. I might try that. We're not gonna talk about it on here again. So you're off the hook. Because like, wow. Like yeah. I mean, I knew what it was getting, what I was getting into, but I just, I don't know. I guess my tolerance for that kind of thing has just dis- vanished over the last like 16 years or so. Yeah, from software isn't one of those studios that is making great games today, and then you go back and look at their back catalog, and the games yeah. are just as good. No, That's I mean not can, how From Software was. You can see like the primitive makings of it, but yeah. it's like it took a while for From's games to start walking upright. Yeah. Let's put it that it's way. It's like all the, naughty the dog evolution games are was good. slow. All Insomniac's games are good. Also, like the you know the real but roots of, the real roots of Dark Souls are Kingsfield. Yeah, uh, the Armored Core stuff was sort of its own thing. And as much as I would be interested to see them go back to Armored Core now, um, no, it is hard won't. to go back to they Armored won't. Core now. They won't. The bread and butter is is. Elden Ring. Yeah. You know, it's 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 the fantasy swordy pokey thing. Souls likes. Yep. Yep. That's what that's what bre- uh, butters their bread for sure and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So yeah, maybe maybe Metal Wolf Chaos gets amazing in Mission 4, but uh I may You're never know. You're not going to find out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just I just bounced right the hell off this thing. Yep. We just dodged that bullet for you people. Uh all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about WWE 2K20. It was just unveiled this week, and I will say this. For whatever reason, this franchise never gets hardly any pre-promotion until, like, the week before it comes out. But in this case, 2K has got way out ahead of it. Like, this is way early for us to ever hear anything about the new WWE game. And the reason that is is because they have changed developers. Did you hear this? Yeah, I heard they they uh, went they Broken up with Ukes. Yeah. Basically. So Ukes is a consultant on this game, and the studio making the new WWE is Visual Concepts. Wow. Isn't that crazy? 
Huh. So Visual Concepts did uh, NFL 2K. Yeah. They do NBA 2K. They did all those sports. I mean, all they, the Sega sports games. They revolutionized sports games they did. back in the day. Absolutely. Really. Yep. I agree with that. Like uh, they, they, they're the first company to really make EA sweat. Yeah. I mean, they had a football game that played online. Yeah. That's a huge freaking and basketball. Deal. I mean, the basketball game. It was. I remember that was. I mean, still NBA still. 2K is. But it's I remember back standard. in the day, NBA 2K was kind of like. Like it was like, hey, this is how good a basketball game can be. EA, like yeah. maybe live should <laughs> not attention. suck. For you know, yeah, it was a uh, you know, EA had the field to themselves for years and years, all through the 32-bit era at the very least. Yep. And all of a sudden, 2K comes in with the Dreamcast. And is just like just took it over. Check this just out. Just took that genre over immediately. Yeah. And has never let go mm-hmm. since then. So Visual Concepts has the EA had to get an exclusive deal with the NFL to make them stop. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So Visual Concepts has the pet the pedigree. It's it's a great developer. It's never really worked in a combat sports game though, which is a little off putting if you're a mm-hmm. fan of this franchise. I mean, at the same time, it's not like these things can really get worse. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. <laughs> like, Ukes had just done such a terrible, not terrible, but it just hadn't really introduced anything worthwhile or new for a long time. It's also a franchise that continues to go back and find features of the old games and then try to market them as new ideas and it's just like they don't like i i you know i have all my n64 games still around and like i went back and played some of uh wcw nwo revenge a while back and that game's still fun oh yeah all those n64 wrestling games are still fun because the mechanics are good yeah and that was Ukes. Like, I loved, I know, it, but it's like a, an era ago or right. whatever. Oh, I love how you could, eras. like, beat somebody just by tweaking their ankle the whole match. <laughs> Seriously, like, yeah. you could concentrate on, like, one body part and win the match, like, breaking their finger over and over. Like, you just don't really get that in wrestling mm. games. I think what happened was, over time, wrestling games became more concerned with the pomp and circumstance of wrestling and less concerned about the actual wrestling. Yeah, but like they don't they even do devoting, that well. Yeah, I know. But they started devoting the resources to these corny backstage cutscenes and mm-hmm. all this other dumb crap instead of just making the wrestling game fun to play. I don't like wrestling. I haven't cared about wrestling since I was like six years old. But I played the living crap out of those N64 wrestling games. Like it was the multiplayer game of choice at me and all my friends' houses for like months on end. And I've never, no one's ever managed to recapture that. It just hasn't happened for whatever reason. We have all these indie wrestling games that are coming out. They're not great either. It's just been kind of a black hole. But it appears that finally 2K has decided enough is enough. And we're going to at least try to get this franchise to the place that it deserves. Because let's be honest, if it made a really great wrestling game... It would do huge oh, yeah. numbers. I mean, you really huge. need you really need the three pillars. You need you need gameplay that works. Um, you need uh, storylines that matter. Story, yeah, storylines that work and storylines that matter. And, and you know, frankly, storylines that are better than what they're doing in the actual the wrestling show. these days. Because like that's not a high bar. Well, you know, wrestling and, right now is at an all time low in viewership. Yeah. Well, it's w- like WWE, right, yeah, is in really dire straits. But uh, and then um, you and then you need uh, the creator wrestle. You need to have a, yep. a very powerful creative system uh, to let people make whatever they want to make. Uh, and, and like, I mean, it's not like that's an easy thing to do. But you think at a certain point you've iterated on it enough that you would, you would get some improvements that would stick, and it just never happens. And my guess is that's why Ukes was taken off. I figure, yeah. I'm sure 2K was like, look, man, we have given you so many chances to get this right, and you, you just can't do it. No. And at a certain point, you got to cut your losses and move on. And I think... Visual Concepts is, is not a bad option. I right. mean, 
That's what I was going to say. They, they definitely know how to iterate. They know how to make the games better every year. Uh, they know how to capture the atmosphere. They know how to capture the, the feeling of being there. Um, I and mean, their gameplay is good. Gameplay is solid. And, you know, and you know they, they know what Ukes has done. They, you know, I'm sure there's people on the visual concept scenes that have played No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000 and all those old classic games. And they know, like, if we can get a permutation of the system to work in a modern setting, you're halfway there. Yeah. You know, like, so, I mean, I would love to have a wrestling game that I enjoy playing again. Like, I, I used to love the, the Attitude Era stuff. Yeah, I don't not play wrestling games because I don't like wrestling. I refuse to play wrestling games because they're bad. Yeah. I like the concept of wrestling, and I enjoy playing the games. Mm -hmm. uh, so here's some of the new features that are supposed to be coming to 2K20. There are two separate campaigns, one for the male character and one for... And actually, the general theme overall of this year's game is that women or, are more tightly and intelligently integrated into it. Um, so you have two separate campaigns. You have one where you can play as a woman, where you can, one where you can play as a man. They said that they do kind of overlap a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called 2K Showcase, and it starts Becky Lynch. I don't even know who she is. I know the name, but I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. She's one of the four horsemen. Uh, I don't even yeah, know. Okay. I don't even know what that yeah. is. That, that's a that's a kind of an, a long standing trope in the WWE. Cause I mean, I've heard of it. I've. Yeah, it used well, to be dudes, though. Yeah, dude. it used to be dudes. The, the women have... There's been a real renaissance in, in women wrestling in uh, in the WWE over the last several I years. I can see why. Um... Well, I mean, they always had the diva crap. They always had, yeah. like, the girls wrestling in brawn panties matches and stuff. But, like, yeah. they finally started letting the women wrestle. wrestle. Like, do actual... I mean, they've got some super talented women in there, like, doing this crazy high-flying stuff. And, like, I mean, they're, they're some of the best things going in the WWE right now. And the WWE... Vince finally recognized it, basically. And, you know, they got big matches at WrestleMania last yeah, couple years. I mean, that, it's... Yeah. it's uh, you know, they've, they've really honed in on that. And to make them a big part of the, the, the video games makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, and it's not like a – it's actually not where they're creating a unique scenario for Becky Lynch to play through. It's actually like a historical look back on her career that you play through. Hmm. And I guess that's the same for the guy. I can't remember the guy's name. He's the other person on the cover, though. Um, 2K Towers returns. Apparently that's the most popular mode in WWE. Um, my career returns um, also for both men and women, mm -hmm. which is a big deal. Uh, the big new mode is mixed tag matches, or the big match, the big new match type is mixed tag matches, which is weird to think that they never had those. I thought they had those even in the N64 wrestling game. Was it tag matches? Mixed tag, meaning women and men wrestling together. Um, I don't think so. No, I, I mean I maybe if, if 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 the female characters were just like two or three, like they just. You'd be able to pick them in that, but like, do you remember what the female characters looked like in this? Oh yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> so bad because usually they were relegated like managers and yeah. stuff. Uh, I, I don't, I don't recall Elizabeth. That. That's what I watch wrestling. I mean, that's that a, whole era with Elizabeth. I mean, mixed tag and, is a new thing in the WWE anyway. So like, that's they're probably highlighting that just because that's oh, it's okay. a new feature in the real life wrestling. I didn't realize so. that. Um, and then as far as wrestlers are concerned, China is going to be in the game posthumously. Mm. She's never been in the oh, WWE. Oh, China, like China. China with, yeah, <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, not China. the country. I was like, China's a big market. <laughs> yeah, like, we're putting China in the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, China, the wrestler. Right. Hmm. She's going to be in there posthumously. She's never been in a WWE game. Really? Yeah, that's what the press release says. I swear, I played her in like SmackDown or something. I'm wondering if she was just 
you know, being tough with her license and was like, no, you need to pay me more. Well, her and contract, it was a whole th- I mean, you got to read her book to learn the details, but there was a whole thing where that contract kind of fell apart at a certain point. Uh, a lot of, a lot of in- internal drama. Seems like everything in the WWE is internal drama. Yeah, well. There's <laughs> a lot of egos rubbing up against each other in any kind of performance kind of Particularly scenario. Particularly that but one. But that is... Uh, it, it's like it, so. It's like imagine doing television or like stage work. It's like stage plays, except your whole job when you actually get out to perform is to beat up the other person. Yeah. <laughs> when all you have is a hammer. Yeah. You know? You're gonna smash. Or a hammer fist. Yeah. Um, also, Hulk Hogan's returning for the first time in some years. They didn't say how many, but they said for the first time in years, Hulk Hogan returns. Mm. Uh, Mankind is returning. Oh yeah, yeah. Along with the Rock and Sock. Connection. Oh wow! I guess that's, that's his tag throw. team or whatever. That was, yeah, that was uh, uh, mankind because mankind has the sock, right? Sock, sock puppet, puppet, and he teamed up with the Rock, and so they were the <laughs> they were the Rock and Sock connection. Oh, I missed that whole era. Of, it was a good era. Was like, it? I, oh yeah, I was not. I mean, I was not a wrestling. I didn't pay attention to a lot of wrestling, like because I, I was aware of it. I watched it in the in the eighties. I watched the first couple WrestleManias. Uh, I remember the the Undertaker showing up for the first time. That's when I stopped watching that. pretty much. And that kind of like fell out for the mid 90s and then like the attitude like the late 90s the attitude era like I I got way back into it with like the Generation X and um the rise of Triple H and The Rock and Stone Cold and all that like I thought all that stuff was super cool. It was all 80s for me. Once the wrestling left the 80s I don't I never really engaged with it again. Like I I mean that's that's why I'm excited to see The Rock in almost anything Dwayne Johnson almost anything is cuz I knew him as The Rock back then. Yeah. And like he was I mean I he remember- was in fact the most electrifying man in sports entertainment and he remains one of the most electrifying men in entertainment. Period. Yeah, not At just all. sports Period. entertainment. Yeah. I remember people imitating him so I remember all his catchphrases. Oh yeah, but I, I never so, saw. I never actually saw them with my own two eyes. I I went. I saw Raw a couple times, and I saw once in San Jose. I think it was two thousand one. It was like early, early to mid two thousand one. It was the it was the the show where uh, Triple H tore his hamstring at the end. The, the big main event at the end was he tore he tore his hamstring and they carted him off and the lights went out and that was the end. Like there was no was it fake or real? It was real. He really oh, he tore, really, he tore really his ripped hamstring. his hamstring and like he didn't come back for for a long long time. But like he got hurt and everything just sort of stopped and they came the medics came out and took him away and the lights went down and that was the end. Like there was no. There was no improv. There was no finishing the match. It was just like, the match was done. We're done. Go home. What did they but, do when that one guy died when he fell off of that cage? Oh, they, they just shut, just they shut the everything event? down. They yeah. ended it. Um, but I remember but The Rock was that He wasn't in the main event, but he was in earlier in the show. And he came out to do his, his promo. And I remember he come in the, you know, the, the music starts, and everybody goes completely insane. And he comes out, and he says... Finally, because you know his whole thing was finally the Rock has come back to insert city you're in, right. and he just goes finally, and it's the loudest thing I've ever heard in an arena. Like, like he was tr- was saying three words of his speech at a time, and then there'd be an applause break, and like you couldn't hear. <laughs> this was the San Jose Arena, wow. man. You couldn't hear the music. <laughs> <laughs> over the crowd like it was i have never he seen anything Absolutely. like it it was yeah. astounding and like you and like you're sitting there looking at him and hearing him and like you know why you know exactly why because you want to do it too you yeah, want to scream yeah. at him too it's amazing <laughs> like that's one, yeah. one of the most charismatic human beings is, i've yeah. ever seen for sure it's, it's yeah. incredible so yeah i can understand in this even though he retired officially this week from what wrestling oh he did um, I mean, he's still doing stuff periodically, but he's officially retired from wrestling. He won't actually wrestle in the ring again. I mean, 
Never say never. Yeah. But like for I mean, Hulk Hogan said that one like twenty times. Right. But at the same I think The Rock has more to do than Hulk Hogan. He doesn't need to do it. Why would he even <laughs> risk hurting his body? Exactly. It I mean, makes he's, no sense. He's I mean he's in his late forties and he's you know, he's got a rampaging music uh movie career. No yeah, pun it's intended insane. with rampage. I mean he may be bi- the biggest star in Hollywood. He's right up now. there. I mean I think Is there I, anyone bigger right now? Uh I think Tom Cruise is still I mean, he makes more. Money but, for money. But, but like, The Rock does way more films. He does a lot more films, but that's not really how you measure that. But yeah. in term, I mean, I I would... Everything s- he touches turns to gold. Everybody goes see... Now it does. Even yeah. Rampage. Like, people went to see Rampage because yeah. he was... It's crazy. I mean, he... he Vin Diesel wouldn't like me saying this, but uh, he made Fast and the Furious oh, yeah. an international sensation. Oh, for sure. People love The Rock. So, it's and crazy. It's just going to continue and continue. He's got... He's got... Uh, a good 20 years left to be an action hero and then he's just going to be so loved that he can just be in anything and people will still love it. Huh. And he'll probably, I mean, he'll probably be like Stallone and Schwarzenegger. He'll just, you know, Stallone's about to play Rambo again. Uh, Schwarzenegger's about to play the Terminator again. The Rock can do whatever he wants when he's that age too, I'm sure. Yeah, and he will. Hobbs and Shaw will still ride in their 70s, I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. Because then it'll be like quaint because they're geriatric. Yeah. By the way, do <laughs> and you, they're still kicking ass. Do you know what the Japanese title of Hobbs and Shaw is? No. Wild Speed Super Combo. What? In in Japan, Fast and the Furious is called Wild Speed. <laughs> and so that this one's called Wild Speed Super Combo, which I think is the coolest name of pretty much anything. <laughs> well, there's there was a couple other things that they announced about the game. Um, there's going to be themed DLC. For, okay. Which, yeah, okay. I, I guess that means maybe themed based on the show. Or... Uh, theme based on, like, which show are possibly themed on storyline or, or stable. Like, yeah. you, know, like, you have, like, what, you know, I don't know, like, like different groups of wrestlers or something. Like, I don't, I, I'm not too up on kind of the current events of things. They said the D is going to be it's going to be a game as a service. Yeah. They're going to run the DLC way longer than they have in the past. I mean, it makes sense. Like really you need to, to you need to pick what this game's going to be, lock it down and improve it as as best you can as you move forward and just stop starting over constantly. Yeah. Cuz that's been a lot of their problem is just I think sort that's of probably the over. idea they're going to let visual concepts build the platform. Yeah. And then once I mean, they visual build concepts that- has managed to keep NBA 2K on an upward trend yeah. across two or three generations. It's so. not like Madden. Like There are actually worthwhile new modes that launch in that franchise that people mm-hmm. want to play. Tell you what I would really like in a wrestling game, maybe not this one because like, let them get established and do it, but I'd love to see in the same way that maybe the campaign is dealing with sort of somebody's career, I'd love to play the careers of like major icons. Like I'd love to play like The Undertaker's career and like try to recreate the streak. And stuff like that, you know, yeah. like that would, it would be fun to do kind of stuff that stuff like that's that. been in Madden, where you could recreate classic moments right. or whatever. And for... you can do that with create a wrestler, or like you know, you set up your own matches. But I'd love to see something that has the production value of a campaign. Sure, do that. Sure. So that's it for WWE 2K20. Uh, it's coming out October 22nd. Um, again, Ux is gone. Visual Concepts in. We'll see if it makes a big difference. I wonder how long, how have they said how long Visual Concepts has had for this? No, they didn't. I'm oh. hoping it's been like a few years, and this has been a plan that they've had in place for a long time. Because giving them a year to build a brand new wrestling mm-hmm. game, that's a recipe for disaster. So we'll see. Well, best of luck to them. But I mean, they're already showing it off way earlier than they usually do. So my mm-hmm. guess is that the promotional plan for this game is probably going to. Yeah, I'm hoping this indicates confidence on their part. Yeah, I hope so. So we'll see. Maybe it'll get me back in the squared circle after many, many Mm. moons. 
but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> All right, next we're going to talk about something we hate talking about, but it just keeps coming up over and over and over again. And that is violent video games being blamed for real world violence. It is happening again. Uh, there were two mass shootings in the last four days. Two of them happened on the same day. Yeah, it was all, both on the same, both on Saturday. But that day was so bad, by the way, that another drive-by shooting in Chicago where like seven people were killed wasn't even reported on <laughs> because people were too concerned about what happened in El Paso and Dayton. Mm. Um, and, or Toledo, depending on who you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <sighs> You wonder how the community of Dayton felt when <laughs> the most important person in the country couldn't re get their city right on a day where they lost a lot of lives. So anyway, um, this isn't just about Trump, though. Uh, basically, as soon as they had their first press conference with authorities, they brought up representatives from Ohio, and they had both Republicans and Democrats. There was like two Republicans and one Democrat that came up to speak. All of them agreed at that point that what needed to be done was a combination of mental health issues and common sense gun laws. The next day, all that changed. And it got it went right back to the way it was before. It went the Democrats want gun control and then the GOP started blaming it on video games. And look, like every time we discuss this we always mention this, and we're going to mention it again. This is not typically exclusively a GOP problem. There have been Democrats mm. in the past that have railed on video game violence. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah, there was a time when the greatest enemy was Tipper Gore right. in this arena. Al Gore's wife. Yeah. Yeah, so this isn't something where it's always been one side, although over the last... Ten years. Ten years. It's been pretty exclusively right wing blame because they they want a scapegoat. They don't you know th it fits the agenda, um, but it in, you know historically uh, it has you know blaming video games for this kind of thing has been something that both sides in terms of the politicians, not in terms of the constituents, can agree on because you know most politicians are old people who don't you know at the time didn't know anything about video games and you know was no skin off their back or their lobbyist owners. To, you know, unless you were lobbied by the ESA, which I guess doesn't happen that often. <laughs> um, in which case, I, you know, glad glad to have your phone number now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it, it, blaming video games did nothing bad to them. And it didn't, you know, at the time, you know, our generation and younger were not important voters. So uh, it didn't matter if we wanted to vote for them or not. Uh, all they had to do was appeal to our parents, basically. Yeah. The boomer generation who was who outnumbered us, you know, until the millennials became a voting age. You know, Gen X, we d we don't have the numbers. We're caught between two giant <laughs> generations that, you know, and we're just like we're just drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we were not kowtowed to in that regard because it was easier to just blame this and say like, oh, that's the problem. So don't let your kid play Doom. Right. Um, but the pro it's funny to me that they're bringing this up because. It is the worst possible angle to take if you're looking for a way to not blame guns because all you have to do is pull up that Vox graph. Andres, bring up the chart, my friend. So Vox... Oh, you have it in here? Yeah, it's in the TriCaster. Yeah. So yesterday, Vox published a chart that makes it very clear Yeah. that the problem is not video games. Yeah, the problem is... I mean, 
Japan, South Korea, the UK, you know, Europe in general, they have violent video games. They have violent media, just like we do. They're consumed they, just as much, if not more. Yeah, they have uh, they have mental illness just as much as we do. What's the variable? Yeah. What's the difference on the right there? Why is it that the USA can't imagine? What What could it be? Hmm. It must. What's the difference? It, it must be freedom. Shane. Yeah, that's it. Capitalism. <laughs> it's capitalism that's causing all the mass shootings. Yeah, none of this is helping. Really, like, like it's like this is not a metric you want in front of people if you're arguing that it's not guns, it's not access to guns with no checks and balances. Yeah. Like, because what else is it? That's the only difference in our country and all those other countries on that list. Like size. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> There's more room to shoot your guns. Yeah. In. It doesn't make any sense. But. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. I really just wanted to discuss it briefly to show that chart. Yeah, I mean, real. I mean, that chart is like. I know pe people get a little nervous about uh, you know like the going to ban things. Or gonna, da, da, like, like, for, well, first off, this is another thing why it's not smart to let the government get a foot in the door on the loot box thing. You're right. Because they can leverage that to do something about this, even though it's not going to do anything of use except make us miserable about it. Yeah. Um, the uh but also like there's there would be i mean if you really went after games for this like first off they're protected speech that's yep. already a decided thing i mean maybe you could overturn that because the court is packed you know supreme court's now packed with a bunch of right-wing shit gnomes but like and they would just do the bidding of whatever they wanted to use as a scapegoat that's possible but generally this is decided law like, you're not gonna video, the video games are considered a free uh, you know a freedom of expression and artistic expression and you cannot curtail that by, by, you know, mandating content. You can't do that. Look, the people who aren't willing to accept what the real problems are, which is access to guns and mental health that goes unchecked in our country, are never going to change their mind. The vast majority of Americans know what causes this problem, and they're willing to vote based upon it. So I think ultimately... Well, I hope they remember that next year. So. Well, I think it'll... Well, they're going to remember it because these aren't going to stop, Matt. True. They're never going to stop. We've had 261 mass shootings in this year in America. It's insane. It's like more than one a day. Like we had yeah. three in one day. They had so many they couldn't even report on one of them. It's insane. Well, I saw a report where they were they were talking about, I think it was the anchor was talking about the El Paso shooting and accidentally said Dayton. Like a couple times, yeah. and then she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I we were reporting on the other one, and I mixed it up with the other." I'm like, "That's that's yeah, how it's dense it is. That's how that, you're right. Yeah, that's how prevalent they are." So, nice try, GOP, blaming video games again. Um, circulate that graph because mm -hmm. it just ends the discussion. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to get in an argument with anybody yeah. about semantics. You don't, you don't even have to believe that gun control is the solution. All you need to do is look at that graph and know that video, video games, games are, are not, not the, problem. the problem. And for our purposes here on Game Face and Sifted, that's all we care about. So take that graphic. You can easily find it. Just Google Vox video game violence graph. It's all over the internet because mm -hmm. it's so compelling. Google it's it, funny. It's funny. Share that... it on all your social media. Share it on Facebook, where your family is, where maybe your parents see mm. the stuff that you post, because those are the people that we need to reach on this, not other gamers. Also, look up Reggie's tweets. Yeah, his tweets right. were Re great. Reggie too. posted some stuff last night that was solid with some good, good facts and statistics. Yeah, 
But uh, I, uh, the prop, Reginator is is in the house. Props to Vox for breaking it down like that because that is something mm-hmm. anyone can understand. Everybody can look at that and be like, "Oh my gosh, okay, yeah. that I get it." That now. is about as clear as data gets. And if you're going to look at that and you're not going to get it, you just don't want to get it. Yep, that's the bottom line. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to 2019. Yep, it's a crazy world we live in. All right, let's move on to our last topic of today's episode. We're going to give our final impressions of Fire Emblem Three Houses for Switch. Uh, we talked about it a good bit last week, like mm. 40 minutes or whatever, because it is a gigantic game. We did do the play view and demo it a little bit, which kind of inflated his time. But uh, both of us have continued to trudge, grind, work, whatever word you want to use, whatever verb you want to use, through this game. Um, what's your hour count on your save right now, man? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, you did? Mine's at like 55 hours. That's pro- probably about that. I mean, I, like I said, I leave it and go do other things sometimes, so like the, the clock still runs. Yeah, it so does. So my save Unless time Unless you go to the no, home screen. Yeah, my save I don't, because I don't care what the yeah. time on that says. Unless there's an achievement for beating it in a certain amount of time, I don't pay attention to that, really. But I would say I probably played in the 40 to 50 hour range, somewhere in there. That's where I am. Um, I got a, I got two characters at the in the early 40s, uh, closing in on the level cap, which is 50. I don't um, have any characters anywhere near that. How did you do that? Because I've I play, I have done I play a lot of every gr- mission. I play a lot of because ba- like some of the battles in the the battle days um, don't require activ- activity points. Yeah, no. so I mean I, I've I've actually played like five or six battles in a row at one point. So I do that. I mean I I finished them all. And my my best character. You can only do like, them over and over though. Oh, and you've been doing that sometimes. Like if I want to level guys up or get get them up to the next class. Uh, uh, I thing didn't do that. I just finished them all the first time. And my big my highest level character is like thirty four, I think. Yeah, so I'm on chap. I, I I think I hit thirty four in chapter nine. I'm on chapter like thirteen. Yeah, so my... I don't know what you've been doing, man. Like I said, I go... I grind a bit to, like, get the characters up to the classes I want them to be. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm focusing a lot of times on... Uh, I mean, it uses up weapons a lot, but I have a lot of money to read, to buy new ones or, like, you uh, might be You might them. be the most frustrating player to ever watch stream a game. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, if someone were to watch you stream, like, mm. they'd be like, what are you doing? Why are you playing that mission again? Caspar keeps dying in two hits, and I'm going to get that guy some heavy armor if it kills me. Like, and I did, and he's better now. Yeah, he's yeah. Still, I mean, he's still his job is still to stand there and make sure that no no melee guys get near my mages. But he's like, your tank. He's just no, takes he's all not. the damage. He's, no, he's, he's not. He's interference. Uh, Duday is my tank. My tank is um, really uh, really El- Elgard. Oh, really? Yeah, she's. Well, I mean, she's not. A, she can take hits, but she's her hits are she attacks so strong. Wait, Elgard's on your team. The girl, yeah, yeah, yeah I she's picked, not on mine. Well, she's the head of my house. Oh, uh, okay. I picked Black Eagle. Gotcha, gotcha. Like apparently most people did. It seems. Is that true? I, I, I sound, it seems like Black Eagle's the most popular. Uh, golden. I picked the least popular. Golden I'm deer the blue or whatever lions. is the yeah blue lion. <laughs> Nobody wants to be blue lions and what's his butt with the spaghetti hair. <laughs> um, but Dimitri. Uh, Dimitri, yeah. But uh, and I've recruited a bunch of guys, you know, because I eventually figured out that. You don't need to raise the stats they say you they want to like join you. You just need to give them gifts until they get a, a, B. Like a B ranking. Yep. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got tons of gifts. I'll just give you owl feathers until you come join my class. I haven't given like hardly any gifts, honestly. I I mean I I have a min max sort of 
attitude towards Fire Emblem. And this is just how I play them. Like, so I'm like, okay, I want to get you up to this. And so, okay, you give me this battle of the correct level. And like, there's, you know, there's, there's the quest battles and there's the, the, like the, the battles were like, they're like side story battles with the green question, green exclamation point. But then there's battles that don't cost activity points and are just like things. You can just do them as many times as you want. Yeah. And I, I did that sometimes just, you know, over and over to like, you know, get these guys up to where I want them to be. <clears throat> I can't believe you do that. Cause I, I, the, the big reason Sometimes why, I do it just because I don't want to go and navigate menus for the for another 20 minutes. You I can know? see like, that. I just want to play a turn-based strategy game for yeah. a while. So looking at the lower third there, my opinion of this game has soured over time. The more I've played it, the less I've enjoyed it. I hit an apex at probably the 25 to 30 hour mark. And then since then, it's just really turned into a grind. Hmm. Um I still enjoy it a lot. I think another like, problem too is there's no challenge to the game at all. It is pretty easy for a it's fire. It's so emblem. easy. Like I'm, I, I'm way farther than you right now. Like and it I'm playing like the end stages of the game and one shotting, mm. like oh. the bat, like the big boss of the game. And oh, I'm only uh, level 34. Edel- Dude, you are just gonna waltz. Oh, through I've the rest already. Edelgard's been one shotting almost everything for. They can't even attack two chapters. Me. Like yeah. my lead character, who I play as, and he is my most powerful character, not my house leader. When I go into a battle, even with like the toughest bosses in the game, I intentionally send him into harm's way. I just send him way out ahead of everyone else and just plant him. And what happens is, all the mm-hmm. enemies attack him, and he counter kills all of them. Yeah, they attack. They do no damage. His retaliation one shots them. Yeah, I mean my my main character is like that too. But like I try not to like lean on that so much because I like to get everybody up. So my my kind of rule is like every battle everybody has to go up a level. And I uh, try. Usually, sometimes there's not enough enemies for that. But usually there are if I play my cards right and get everybody a kill and stuff. So like it's a pretty step. But it's like my character, like my two lead characters, my main character and my house leader. You know right around 40 early 40s everybody else is like like early 30s and like i think i got like the one archers like late 20s because the archers don't get a lot to do because most of my other party members are like mid 20s and i'm at the end of the game Mm. it's crazy how much you've leveled them up i still like it and i'll probably go back through and do a new game plus really at some point yeah wow i I won't play this again i'll definitely play it it just after it. it just started to wear me down after a while there's just nothing new the pattern gets really annoying after a while. Well, I will like say... Like the monthly pattern of you teach school for two days. You have X number of days where you can go and explore. Then you have to spend two days on playing the battles. And then at the end of the month, you play the mission. Like the only thing that's unique of every month is the one mission. Mm-hmm. And you end up spending several hours on each month. And so... The last couple chapters, I've just stopped doing everything else. I don't teach anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't take choir lessons. Well, have you gotten to the- I don't plant food. I don't fish. I literally just skip the whole calendar and just go to the main so mission. Are you not, so are you not at part two yet? What do you mean by part two? Well, you know how when they introduce the chapters, the, the, the very calm audiobooks man says like- I skip says, through those. says part one, white clouds. Yeah, yeah like, I, I think- skip through that stuff. Okay, well, so, so you haven't hit the time skip. Yes, I have. And has that gotten significantly worse for you? Because that's the part where all the reviews were like, oh, it's not as good after that. I mean, it had ar- I had already kind of had it on autopilot before then. I mean, I'll say this, like, that's when the plot cracks open and it's not just mm-hmm. repetitive anymore. I mean, it's not like it doesn't telegraph what's happening well, le- right. ahead of time. So but- at, le- at first, it seems like it's way different. 
And you're like, oh, wow, okay, this just cracked open, and now it's just turning into, like, an open world strategy. And then the calendar shows up again. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ruin anything for you or for anyone else. At first, it seems like a bigger deal than it ultimately becomes. I mean, I There's figured because you can't. Moment. Well, because the way everybody everything levels up, you, those systems work. You can't change it fundamentally without basically stopping progress for the characters. I just feel like they needed way more to do, as far as like the stuff that's in the hub world. Like there needs to be more activities. The activities need to become more challenging as time goes on. It's just the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, you just fill in bars. Yeah. And I got sick of it after a while. I've, I'm way too far to turn back now. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna finish the game, but the last like 15, 20 hours to me have not been particularly enjoyable. Certainly not as enjoyable as the first twenty five hours were. I'm still enjoying it a lot. I mean, to be fair, I have turned the music off. Yeah, because um, there's only like two songs. There's not too many songs, and the 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 song that plays when you're running around the monastery, and the song that plays during battle. Were get, they were getting stuck in my head to the point that I'd wake up and hum them in the shower uh, without, I was without realizing it. I was walking around my it. house whistling yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And the I, I, I was like, what are you whistling? It was getting, I, I, mean, I wasn't even aware I was doing <laughs> it. And suddenly I'm like, where is this? Oh, fuck. The... When you spend that much time, yeah. it just ebbs into your subconscious so and I, just takes So over. I turn the music off yeah, and, and listen to like other like podcasts and stuff while I play. Because yep, you really thing. need the sound. You really don't. Like I skip through most of the like like any of those cutscenes where you're supposed to be building like rapport between yeah, the support stuff. I just skip through all those. Yeah, I, I can I don't read. Care about I any. can read faster than I can talk, and I just go through them at this point. Because look, it's it takes long enough as it is. Yeah. So, but it's fine. I like the characters. I like my house. I like kind of the progress of things. I like, um, you know, I like it's just, just the fire emblem thing. You, you level up the class, you get to the next class, and like as you're like, oh, they're really good now, and like that's, you know, it's I enjoy it. It's, uh, I, I really enjoyed it for the first like 25 or 30 hours but after it just got to the point where and especially once it became easy and every mission was just a means to an end where I just knew I was going to just trash every every enemy I came up against like when I the first time I one shotted a boss that they had been building up for hmm. like 20 some hours I was like wait a minute this was like the bad guy from the first act of the game and I literally Killed him with one shot, and not just, like, not one shot with, like, one of my crazy, like, weapons. Like, one shot with an iron sword. And then that was, like, the paradigm shift. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And then as my other characters started getting built up, it got to the point where everybody can one-shot enemies. And I had to start keeping crappy weapons on them so I could still decide who got to deliver the last hit mm. so I they do, got the yeah experience. i do still keep iron weapons around just for that so you have a weapon that doesn't one shot the enemy so mm. it'll leave a little bit left so someone else can come in and just finish them off like i don't know once i got to that point i'm like this game's kind of broken i thought the balancing's way off it got really repetitive for me the story's not great like if it were more interesting it would be enough to keep my interest but it moves really slow and then like they'll talk about things in the story that they they don't make them seem very significant and then you realize oh my god this is like a turning point for the whole game and then vice versa stuff that they seem to make a big deal out of you find out isn't really that big of a deal um it's, i mean look, it sounds like fire emblem yeah i guess <laughs> it's look it's still worth 60 bucks i got 30 hours out of this that i absolutely adored and i've enjoyed the rest of it but if you would buy this only because you think you're getting like 60 or 70 hours of incredible game out of it, then maybe you might want to hedge your bets a little bit, but it's still worth the 60 bucks. Yeah, I mean, I have no no 
qualms about saying it's worth the sixty bucks. It's, it's Fire Emblem. Like it's exactly what I was hoping it would be. Uh, and you know, if if you're gonna you know mash up Persona, Harry Potter, and Fire Emblem, like, yeah. that's pretty much what you get. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm still I'm still liking it. I don't mind being all that overpowered because I feel like I've kind of earned. The overpoweredness. I felt that at first. Um, it feels rewarding. You're like, oh, I'm a badass now. But, but I, then after a while, you're like, man, this is a joke. Yeah, but I'm just, you know, there's always going to be one or two enemies. I still every once in a while run into an enemy. It's like, oh, this guy isn't actually just rolling over. A couple the, guys, if they have, like, really powerful magic spells. Will, yeah, like, the magic guys can be dangerous. I just go after the, them it, first. Sometimes the beast guy, the big monsters can be See, a problem. See, I just wipe them out, man. Um... Well, it depends where they, they are. They make you keep fighting them, though, because they have several health bars. And you can yeah. only take out one health bar per attack. So now you just need three people to attack right. it. To well, I just – you, you, the thing where you use the gambits to, bl- to blow their shields up and get their items, like, I just – I like doing that. I, I don't, I don't even use – I think I've used gambits, like, maybe ten times the whole game. I rarely use them unless I am up against one of those beasts to break their shields and yeah. get their rare items. And then sometimes I'll use them if there's just a character I, I like. I know I don't want you to attack next turn, and I use the one that like de- like delays them. You give me, yeah, I don't use that much anymore. I use that more early on when I was like there were there were situations where I couldn't take hits from somebody. That's not as common anymore unless you're. The, I swear to God, my mages can take more hits than that damn axe kid. Like I I don't know what his problem is. <laughs> and at one point he comes and he wa- he asked me to be a brawler, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to let you be hand to hand combat. And you you can't take a punch, man. Like what are you doing? I mean, look, the main bad guy that they build up through the whole game. I just fought that that enemy, and it doesn't end the game. And literally, it wouldn't be Fire Emblem without like three false endings. Literally, like, he had like thirty-five hit points. Huh. I always wonder if sometimes like Fire Emblem gets kind of. I mean, first off, we're, I think we're both playing on ca- on normal. Yeah, sounds like sounds like maybe hardcore would have been or hard harder. That actually, I would there. recommend that. I would recommend playing this on a harder difficulty. And um, uh, I always wonder if like there's some kind of balance problem with Fire Emblem, more like the fact that. Uh, your level ups are, are random in stat stat growth. Yeah, not totally random because like being certain classes will influence It'll what stats are more likely. But you don't have full control, and sometimes like it feels like a, a level ups wasted if you only get like one or two stat point. I mean, they even say like that they're disappointed in their progress when that happens. And so like you can't necessarily know how powerful someone's going to be when they get to whatever boss. But I do feel like this game somewhat underestimates you, especially with the tools. Uh, they give you to grind with, and just simply the power of some of the classes you can get to, even in the intermediate realm. Yep. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes, and like past the time skip for me, I'm not there yet. I'm, I think I'm like one more chapter, and I should be there. It benefits from there being nothing else. Yeah. Unless you're a Switch owner, though, there is actually stuff to play on Switch, but not elsewhere. Not like this, really. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unique, uh, and it scratches the Fire Emblem itch, and there's not really anything else like it. You know, unless you want to go back and play. Fates, but uh, I think this is a better game than Fates. It is. Do you think it's the best Fire Emblem game ever? I've seen that said a lot over I, the last week. I think it might be. Um, I do have some fondness for uh, the GameCube one. Me too. But uh, I think this is a more playable game. It's the most polished and refined Fire Emblem ever. Yeah. It's definitely the best console Fire Emblem ever. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, I think I've liked the stories better in some handheld ones. Yeah, I think Awakening might have been a more interesting story overall. Yeah. Um, this one's a little... And I thought the handheld ones are better balanced as well than this one is. 
Yeah, they can be. It depends on which one you're talking about. Like the older ones were a little too on the, too much on the hard side. Right. Yeah. This one's maybe a little too easy. But we'll see. Yeah, you know, that's again why I'm interested in New Game Plus to like put it on a higher difficulty and see what happens, and kind of you know maybe I really, will give it a spin really just maxing to see. some of these characters out and seeing what they can do with that level. Because this game is a great travel companion. This is one of yeah. those games that you could put in your Switch and literally just carry it around for like the next two and a half years. It, yeah, you I, only played it while you were on well, the Well, I go. actually bought, I bought it digitally specifically because of that because yeah. I figured like this is something I'm going to want to be able to pull up whenever or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So like, yeah, like if, if I am pretty confident I'm going to be playing a game for a long time on and off, like I will, I'll get it, for, you know, because I tend to get Switch games physically because I get all my games physically um, if I can. I don't just because I don't care, um, and it's easier to not have to switch discs all the time. But I do tend to get the Nintendo stuff physically because Nintendo stuff holds its value. And those cards are small; um, they don't they don't take up a ton yeah, of space. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't need a whole shelf for that. Yeah. Um, but like, and if I want to take them somewhere, you just stick the the cards in the little you know holder little pockets on the switch case, and yep. you know, because I do I I do sometimes take it up north with me. Uh, where I have another dock at my mom's house, and I just play it there because I don't play a handheld. Yeah, yeah. Just, just know, take it and plug it in. But take these tiny little chips with you, and it's it's easier than taking a bunch of Blu-rays. You just so. put them in your coin pocket in your jeans. I don't know if I'd go that far. That's where I put them. <laughs> I, I feel like those could fall out, and you'd never know. Oh no, nothing's coming out of there. The worst problem you have is lint gets caught on the carts. <laughs> I just blow them off, and off I go. Just don't lick them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don't lick the carts. This <laughs> Pactor learned. But uh, I look. Both of us still recommend this game for purchase. 60 bucks, 30 to 40 hours of amazing entertainment. To me, that's worth every penny. Um, I would say if you're hoping to get 80 hours, something like that out of it, and it, hoping that it stays at that same level of quality all the way through, I think you should maybe think twice about it. Um, but especially right now, in mm-hmm. August, it's hard to find yeah, there's other There's not much games. else to play, really. Yeah, it's hard to find other games that we would recommend more for, for buying. So... There you go. Fire Emblem Three Houses for Switch. Uh, you think we'll be talking about it again at the end of the year in our Game of the Year discussions? I mean, certainly Might. for best strategy game. Although, Planetfall comes out today. Planetfall? Yeah. I don't think I know what that is. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like the big 4X game that's coming. Uh, I'm not a 4X fan. Oh, uh, okay. That comes out today, though. And that's been getting like really good reviews. So, it'll have, have to tangle with that game, I think, at the end of the year. Um, but when I start thinking about like game of the year, even like Switch game of the year, I think it might be tough. I know it, it's it probably has a pretty good shot at Switch game of the year for me. I mean, depending on Pokemon. Yeah. Um, but I do. I mean, Fire Emblem is up there with my favorite Nintendo. Fire Emblem and Metroid are kind of top of the top of the heap there. Are those Fire, your favorite Nintendo? I'd say Fire Emblem, Metroid, and Zelda are my favorite. My three favorites. Um, yeah, you know, not except for the Zelda, not particularly mainstream, really. But yeah, and like really, I don't like that many Zelda games. When you get down, <laughs> it's more of a concept. I mean, I love Ocarina, I love Link to the Past, um, Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess is okay. It did have Waggle though. I know you hate that. Yeah, well, Twi- Twilight Princess. My main thing was just like it was very. I felt very washed out and oppressive. Yeah, visually. Yeah. Um, and uh, I hated Skyward Sword. I physically despised the DS games. Uh, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tra- Phantom Hourglass, I think, is the worst Zelda game ever made. Um, I didn't finish it. I hated it. I, I, it may be the stupid, only Zelda game I didn't Having finish. to redo that stupid Temple of the Ocean King every time you came back. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> I'd have to hit whoever came up with that, like with a, with a bat. Um, uh, I like uh, I love Link Between Worlds. That was great. And um, I like Breath of the Wild. 
but like Zelda games like are very hit or miss for me whereas like Fire Emblem I like I like every Metroid game except other M they don't change Fire Emblem very drastically though no uh, and Fire Emblem like just Fire Emblem's Fire Emblem. It is, yeah. You know what you're getting. It's a known yeah. commodity. I mean, I, sure. I do prefer, like, now that they they don't have me trying to marry off my adult characters to the 10-year-old, 1,000-year-old dragon girl, because um, that's creepy as hell. Because, like, trying to like, get all your, your characters to, like, breed properly and, like, give you the right class of creature, you know, and then, like, they go, the, the kid, like, goes through a time loop and comes back as an adult so they can fight alongside you. Bizarre, like there's some bizarre stuff. They, they, they got rid of a lot of that in this one, and I think it's better that they. I still they haven't had romance. any uh, romance options. There are no romance options okay. except for your main character. Okay, your main character is the only one that can get to S class, S rank with anyone for a relationship. Ah, uh, okay, but they don't like seal the deal or anything. I don't know. I'm not there yet. Yeah, but, uh, I, mean, I haven't seen anything like that. I mean, obviously, I've been building my rapport with all my party members, but there's been no romantic stuff at all. Well, at some point, you can take your character's relationship to the S class or something and pick pick a romantic interest. I think, but, but the previous games, you had you know all the different oh, characters marrying off each depth, other and everything. Yeah. yeah, and that's gone in this one, which is, I think is fine. Like, I, I yeah, don't, I don't miss it really. It's not a thing. That I just bothers. kept waiting for it to appear, and it just never did. No, nah, it's, it's it's not there, and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. Although there's a couple of the support conversations. Do feel like they were building to that? Oh yeah, I've had lots of conversations where there's innuendo yeah. and stuff like that, and like when you have the private tea party with some of them, it seems mm-hmm. like things are getting a little steamy, but then it, nothing ever happens. Yeah. Well, I, was, I mean, between them, like not just your character and them, but like between the yeah, individual characters. oh yeah, there's a couple instances where NPCs were like, "I'd like to spend more time with mm-hmm. you away from the fighting." <laughs> yeah, and then it just doesn't. <laughs> it is a little weird. Like they have at least two characters that are supposed to be like super flirt, like ladies' men or or like you know men's women kind of yeah, thing like, yeah. but like they nothing ever happens nope but. yeah so no making babies in fire emblem three houses yeah, i mean they're all like 20 i guess two they're too young. although at, in medieval times they wouldn't have been too young but right they've oh, got yeah. they, they got plans they've they got been geriatric in medieval they got stuff times. to do <laughs> all right that's it for fire emblem three houses like i said maybe we'll get back to that uh, game of the year discussions at the end of the year but i don't know for me, that might be tough. For Matt, maybe not so much. But it's a great game. I just feel like it loses steam eventually, unfortunately. So it's time for our trailer of the week. For those of you who know Game Face, that also means it's time to get your questions into the chat. And I just saw out of the corner of my eye, W. Matthew, fire off his question. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Anyway, this is your, your chance to get uh, questions into the chat that we'll answer right after the trailer of the week. Uh, the trailer of the week is actually for... What really is probably the biggest story in games this week, which is Fortnite just launched Season X. They're not calling it 10, they're calling it Season X. <laughs> and as much as we don't care about Fortnite, if you really think about it, it's probably the biggest story in games this week, other than the Fortnite esports tournament where dude won three mil. Um, but Fortnite Season X is here, and here's the launch trailer. Let's roll it.
okay. <laughs> yeah. Feeling the urge to get away from it all? I think we bear the least or about for uh, time? Fortnite Immerse- or any podcast in the world. Maybe. <laughs> we just really I don't, don't care. I think Joe Rogan might care less. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> there is one person. Uh, thanks to everybody who subscribed via Twitch Prime during the stream. I see the one Geo here at the end. I saw a couple people the top of the show subscribing via Twitch Prime, but unfortunately the chat from the beginning part of the show is gone on my iPad, so I can't call you guys out by name, but thank you guys very much. Uh, let's get to some questions here. Um, Shelburne with a note. GDPR violation maximum fine is $20 million. What does that mean? For the uh, privacy breach. Oh, so that's the most that they could ever... That's nothing. Per violation. Oh, per violation. Like, that would be per person. Oh, gosh. Wow. That could break a company, that's for sure. Could. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Let's get to the bottom here for some questions. We'll take W. Matthew first, as always. Uh, Given From Software's popularity since the Souls games, what was your first exposure... To from for me it was Lost Kingdoms, a pretty good action card based RPG. Yeah, I remember Lost Kingdoms. Yeah, that was a GameCube game, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, my first From Software game I think would have been the first Armored Core. Yeah, me too. On PS One. Yeah, I mean that was its first kind of hit in the West. Yeah. And I would I use the word hit very loosely when I say that. I mean, they made like twenty of them, so it, it, yeah, it found an audience. It certainly did. And I have all. I mean, I, I think most people probably would give that answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, most people like us. I mean, I'm R-H-A, sure, that, R-H-A, I'm sure R-H-A. there's a lot of people who have never even touched an Armored Core. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how long has it been since there's been a new one? Early three six, early three sixty. I think. What was it Armored Core? Yeah, it's Armored Core five. Oh. And I think one more. Did Fron do that other mech battle game? They did not do Chrome Hounds, no. I don't think so. Okay. That was Sega that published that, right? Yeah. If I remember correctly. It's weird the stuff that you do and don't remember after all these years and all these games. The stuff that you actually retain and what you don't. Uh, Justin Horman, question from someone who had to leave chat early. Uh, User Roger Strom, it looks like. Um, Game streaming equals... Wife minus acceptable solved. I don't get this question at all. Hmm? Game streaming equals wife minus acceptable solved? No more boxes and cables cluttering around the TVs. I think this is an overlooked big deal. Now what's your take on it? I guess he's saying game streaming. Oh, he means, oh I get it now. He means if the streaming games means like... Your wife, wife will be will happy. Be happy because you don't have cables everywhere. Happy I'm... wife, happy life. I will still have cables because I rent, so I cannot run like my speaker wires through the walls or the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So my surround sound speaker wire has to go on the ground from my TV under the coffee table, under the couch, and then back to the speakers behind me. And I have to basically lay a carpet down on top of carpet to cover up mm-hmm. those wires. Was, I could get wireless but they'll sound like crap like i have really good satellite speakers so i'm always going to have cables but he is right like especially when you start talking about having your tv mounted on a wall and not wanting to have like an entertainment center underneath with a bunch of consoles and other gear in it like a lot of houses are kind of cutting back on all that kind of clutter so 
And my wife hates that we have that carpet in our living room, and I've got the wires running. Uh, she just mentioned it the other day, actually. She despises it. So, well, Stadia is not going to get rid of those. No, but. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It won't streaming won't change that for me at all. No, I don't. I don't think it's a factor to any great degree. Like it's, yeah. Like who cares? Like I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure Stadia is uh, targeted directly at China. Um, because China has no one's really made any inroads in console gaming in China because there's a two, there's like estimated 200 million people that are a potential audience there, and they can't touch them because bootlegging and piracy is so bad, and you can't import the hardware and the hardware. Blah, blah, blah. So in this case, you've got a, you got good in, internet infrastructure, and you got a simple subscription service, which is already a thing in China pretty regularly, and you've got all the major games. And you're selling them for full price, but you're selling them over this streaming service. So you don't have to worry about anybody. There's no hardware. There's no disk. There's no nothing. You can't pirate anything. It's all yeah. it's all server side. So they've got it's control over that. It's made for China. It is it is absolutely targeted. That's the whole point I think of, of Stadia is trying to break into the Chinese market. And anything they get in North America and Europe is just gravy. gravy. Yeah, just bonus points. Interesting. That's an interesting that's, perspective. That's my theory. I think that's a good theory. That's the only way it makes sense to me. Yeah. So yeah. We'll see. And they could make a ton of money in China. Oh yeah. I mean that's a completely untapped console oh, market. Yeah. It's really crazy. Okay. You don't even need to. You don't even need to sell them a controller. You can use any controller they already have. Like it's 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 the perfect Trojan horse, basically, to get into that market. Yep. Uh, Justin, thank you for uh, submitting that question on behalf of someone else. That was very awesome of you. Uh, J. Reed, Vic Seven, Rainbow Six Siege, No Man's Sky, and Sea of Thieves all had uniqueness as an advantage. Is part of the uphill climb for Anthem with its new Cataclysm content going to be? Uh, there being two high quality similar games in Warframe and Destiny 2 that are free. I'm not sure I completely understand that question yet. I think the uphill climb for Anthem is that nobody cares. Yeah, it's it's just it's it, con- they blew it. It's, it's lost over. all of its yeah. mind share at this point. I mean, they put the one point I think it's one point three zero update was today, and like they, there's I mean huge changes, tons of additions, but like does anyone? care? And like, the sad truth is, the I mean, game... I'll probably look at it, but like I, I, I think it's too little, too late. It is. The sad truth is that that game really had a great window. Yeah. It could, if it were actually really good, it could mm-hmm. have done huge. Because think about it, nothing really all that compelling has come out yeah. since. Yeah, it had, it, had a, it had a lot of time to itself in that in that arena. Yep. And it just wasn't and able it to capitalize. it blew it. EA blew it. Um, I don't think there's any saving Anthem at this point. I think whatever they have planned, they'll get, they'll finish and they'll get out. Yeah, I've said from the beginning they're gonna they'll they you know usually these games have like a one year plan for post launch, and I figure they'll support it to the end of that, and EA will pull the plug. Yeah, and that'll be that. Like, That's my guess too. Start looking for the death of Anthem sometime next February. Yep, that's about right. That's what I would say too. It's sad. It had so much yeah, possibility. I, but I don't just I I like playing it. I, yeah. I enjoy it. I think there was a lot to it and. Uh, but it just it just wasn't there. It's hard to recover when you come out of the gate week. I mean, just look at Fallout yeah. seventy six. Bethesda's not giving up on that, but only the but Bethesda is not EA. Only the hardest of the hardcore are playing it still. It does have a dedicated audience somehow, but yeah. it's small. I think Anthem could have something similar, but it's not good enough for EA. Yeah, like, you know, Bethesda's not the same kind of company. It's true. Yep. Uh, okay, here's a real question from Justin Horman, uh, Mr. Kyle, as a Criterion collect collection collector. Uh, how interested are you in the upcoming Spine number 1000, which will be a $225 8-disc, 5-film Godzilla 15. box set? 15-film box uh, set. Yeah. What is your favorite movie to get a Criterion Collection release, and what is the Criterion Collection disc you've watched the most? Um, 
there is no limit to my interest in that box set. Uh, I'm a huge Godzilla fan, and I can't believe they actually jumped through all the licensing hoops required to get the entire Showa series in one box. I never thought that would happen. Uh, part of the part of the difficulty with uh, Godzilla movies on DVD and Blu-ray has been that because so many of the different movies were distributed by different companies here, because you know it was not one single distributor all the time bringing those movies out in America, both in theaters and on home video and on broadcast. Uh, f- tracking down everyone and appeasing everyone who had the various rights to everything was a nightmare, and so you got all these different releases from different companies from different weird. And they were they were you know destroy all monsters very famously was among Godzilla fans was out on DVD for like a month, and then like that was it, and then like for years destroy all monsters on DVD was like two hundred dollars on the second because you couldn't get it for yeah. and then they re-released it and it was better and it's, it's on Blu-ray now. But um, getting all these in one nice, coherent, like well-produced box set in one place is fantastic. So yes, I will be buying that sight unseen. I love that the thousandth release of a a series, as you know, as and speaking as someone who has hundreds of them, uh, is as film snobby as the Criterion Collection. It's going to be a Godzilla <laughs> box set. Like that's awesome. Um, that is a bit of a juxtaposition yeah, there. Cause yeah, because there's, there's a nice little moment of like, because you know, it's like Criterion. It's like, oh my god, Armageddon has a Criterion release. Yeah, it was part of the contract. It was. It's, it, sorry, it's not like you know, I don't like Armageddon either. But sorry, it's not highfalutin enough for you. Uh, is my favorite Criterion release or whatever? Oh, god, I don't know if I could narrow that down. That how hard. many are there? Well, there's about to be a thousand. Godzilla is spine number oh, one thousand. Oh, that's what that means. Okay. Yeah, they put there's a different. They number each one. So. Ah. So like it's not always the same. So like it's like uh, there's box sets where the box is a number, and then each disc in the box is another number. So like that box set covers like a bunch of different numbers. Okay. And this is number the, the box set for Godzilla is number one thousand. And that's it. It doesn't have multiple numbers inside it. I don't know. It might. It might be like a thousand one to a thousand fifteen. I don't know if they still do that because I haven't really kept up with the collect. Because for a while there they got a little weird. They got a little for yeah. I collected pretty regularly up. I collected everything up through about four hundred. And then after that, they got a little, you know, I felt like you covered sort of the basics of, like, film history with most of that stuff. You got most of the Kurosawa. You got most of, that's, I mean, honestly, the Kurosawa stuff is probably what I've watched the most. Um, it doesn't really get better than Throne of Blood and Ron. Um, I love the, I love those movies a lot. Um, and The Killer. I, I do watch The Killer pretty often, John Woo, uh, to remember when John Woo was really good. Yeah. Talk about a career um, that just fell off a cliff. But I kind of got out of it for a while because they, for a while it felt like Criterion was sort of like just, we're going to release the most obscure things you've never heard of. And I'm like, well, for 40 bucks a disc, I'm going to need to have heard of it. You know, gonna, <laughs> I'm not just taking a shot. At that. <laughs> but I, I did subscribe to the Criterion channel um, now, and like that's really good. How I, much is that a month? Uh, I can't remember. I think it's like, I, I paid for a whole year, and I think it was like 100 bucks for the year. Um, Steep. Well, if you watch enough black and white shit, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's there's not it's they're not. I guess the thing is like you don't realize until you go looking for them that like Netflix and who, like the, those the other mainstream streaming services are terrible for classic films yeah. for anything that isn't um, a current release or an original production. So if you want to see like classic films like done up the right way, you gotta subscribe to Criterion. Um, I I bought an Amazon Fire just for that because wow. I didn't have it on my TV. My TV oh, and didn't wow. have a. Did you just buy a Fire Stick or did you fire buy Fire Stick? Yeah. yeah, it's just like old. You know, the thing you st- I stick yeah, it in the USB U- port. I stick it in the same USB hub that I plug my uh, uh, or the same uh, thing I plug into my um, Switch. 
to get it uh, to the switcher up to get uh, to get to oh, the wow, the entertainment switcher. system, yeah. and that's it. It's very easy. Yeah, it's just an HDMI thing. Gotcha. But um, yeah, I'm very excited. I, I did not expect that to ever happen. Like the Godzilla movies would be collected like that in a nice box set with all the original art and all this stuff. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's great. It's just it's a pop art masterpiece. What they're putting out. Okay, our next question is from maybe the best username on all of Twitch. The Boom of Foo with Crack Bros. <laughs> Will Breath of the Wild 2 make Breath of the Wild obsolete? I hope so. I hope it does. Yeah. I really hope it does. Because Breath of the Wild, to me, could with just a few tweaks, could have been the game that everybody else said, said that it was. Mm-hmm. It didn't need a lot of changes or evolution to really make it as good as the review score suggests that it is. Um, so yes, I, I hope absolutely that it does. Yeah. Like it, to me, Breath of the Wild is pretty much like a tech demo. Yeah. For we figured it out, people. Hey, look, it's a it's an it's a open world overworld that feels like Zelda. Yeah. Great. Now put a Zelda game in it. Yeah. Now make it fun. You know. Yeah. Like, so you got to add a story uh, that has more memorable moments than just the time Zelda crawled around and Link stared at her ass for half a, half a minute. <laughs> um, and you need to add, you know, dungeons. Yeah. Like, make it a Zelda game. I think that's a given at this point. Yeah. I also expect, um, I think it's going to be co-op. Yeah, probably so. You, one can play as Zelda, one can yeah. play as Link. Probably I, I, so. I think it's going to And I think Zelda and Link are going to play differently. I also think that once everyone plays Breath of the Wild 2, they're going to see why myself and others didn't think the first Breath of the Wild was the game of forever, because mm-hmm. they're going to see how clearly it could have been improved. I find I find it very hard to go back to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I know. I, like, I, I have found it hard to go back to it when I got to, like, the 50-hour mark. Yeah. I was like, I'm over this. I'm I mean, tired I played, of climbing these rocks. I played something like 80 hours, and I really enjoyed it. But I went, when I went back to play the DLC, when the DLC was out, I just couldn't get back into it. It's I tried, so different from everything else. You have to relearn, like, the control scheme all over again. Like, I tried again, like, a couple months ago, and I, I just, it's, I just bounced off. right off it. Yeah. Like, I... The, the instant it starts raining when I'm trying to climb something, I'm like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> know, how about, how about, who in the hell thought this was fun? There's all kinds of little stuff like that in that game. That like, so what? Because what happens? Triggers. There, there's no, like, skill-based thing to get around the rain. You just have to stand there and stare at the wall you want to climb up until the rain stops. Yep. What the hell? you? It's, it's very un-Nintendo, frankly. Yeah. I, I think it's like you said, though. They're like, they got it to where it worked. Yeah. And they're like, okay. There you I mean, go. I mean, in terms of like, hey, do you think you could make an open world that feels like Zelda? They nailed it. Yeah. They, they did, but they forgot to make the rest the of the game. game. Yeah, the actual game. Uh, Vincent, does the quality of Fire Emblem Three Houses make you more interested in Koei Tecmo's other strategy games? Should we expect impressions of Romance of the Three Kingdoms 14 next year? Hell no. <laughs> that was a funny question, Vincent. Good job, bro. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Because one thing I will say is that, like... Uh, I mean, if you want to reinvent Romance of the Three Kingdoms as a school Harry Potter <laughs> setting, and I have to, like, yeah. teach them all how to be warriors, I mean, that would yeah. actually be kind of funny. One thing I will say about Three Houses is it has personality, and it's, like, a warm game. Like, yeah. I don't know what that really means, but to me it means something. It's, like, those Koei Tecmo games are so rigid, yeah. and they're based... I mean, at the very least, you'd have to make it uh, you have to make it possible for me to have lunch a lot more often yeah. in Romance of the Three Kingdoms. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that happening, Vincent. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your perspective. Uh, the one Geo, since you subscribe via Twitch Prime, we are absolutely going to answer your question. Uh, what game did you do? You wish you were a pro at? Um, Street Fighter. Oh, come on! You know it's Smash. No. <laughs> 
Uh, wish I were a pro at. I, man, that's, I mean, I could. That's be. a hard one. There was a there was a like a hard times on the 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 parody like news site, sort of like the Onion, but they did a they did a parody article which was it was just like you know local man too good to play fighting games with friends but not good enough to play competitively. Yeah, and like that's pretty much what I, mean. I, yeah, I, yeah. I could be competitive if I wanted to like put more time into it and drive down to like. Uh, Santa Ana to to play uh, in Wednesday night fights every Wednesday, but I I that's too far. I'm probably taking this a little deeper than I should, but when I think about like what game would I want to be a pro at, I think about the whole bit of being a pro, the travel. Like, where do you have to go for most of the tournaments? Are they most of them domestic or most of them overseas? Uh, that all plays mm. into it for me. See, when I think of it, I just think of like being good enough to walk into a major tournament and not and get knocked out, not yeah. get knocked out in pools. Right, basically, right, right. You know? Like yeah. that, would, that would be what my definition of that. Would be. I, I don't think I would necessarily be going to like CEO in Florida and stuff. Yeah. Like that's the only game I even have a vague. Especially now chance. it's in Daytona Beach. Fuck that. Yeah, the only game I even have a vague chance is probably Call of Duty, and I really don't have a vague chance. I'm, I mean, my KD in Black Ops Four is probably like a one point. Three five one point. I mean, I'd love to see like, like, like a genie spell or something where you did get you were that good, and it was just like this old dude with all these children like trying <laughs> just to just like, wrecking. Like, shots. What is he doing? And he, like, he's, he, <laughs> that would be great. It's just wrecking twenty year olds yeah. like left and right, and you're like, everybody have a oh, you can't have a beer. Ah, oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> but then I think about okay, you also have to play one game for a really long time. Yeah. And I think with that considered, it would probably be League of Legends because I never get tired of that game because I'm always getting better at it. So if I had to pick, most of League's tournaments are overseas. That's true. You'd spend a lot of time in Korea. Yeah. I guess I would probably go with Call of Duty. It's close, though. Most of almost all of Call of Duty's tournaments are domestic, so you wouldn't have to fly yeah. very far. And, <laughs> Shocker! And look, if I hadn't traveled a lot already, I would like the idea of going overseas to play in mm-hmm. tournaments. And I'm sure a lot of the real esports athletes would prefer league because of that reason. But because I've already traveled a lot of places, and travel doesn't hold a, a big allure for me anymore, it would probably be mm-hmm. Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to travel around and do the do that life. I don't want to do not, it at all. Not again. At all. Like, I have no interest. Like, if someone's like, hey, we'll make you an esports athlete today and we'll pay you $10,000 a month, but you're going to travel all month, I wouldn't take the job. Mm-hmm. Probably not. I mean, especially like the idea of going like somewhere like that far, you know, going to, to South Korea and then having to play in something that high pressure, jet lagged. Oh, yeah. Would be Imagine difficult. that. I didn't think about that actually. I wonder how early those guys, because some of these teams are just scraping right, by. Although I mean, I doubt they're bringing them in a week before a tournament. No, somewhere. I mean, and, to be fair, it's easier going there. It is. Uh, it's, coming harder back. Coming coming, back it's harder coming. It's harder going hard east. Part. Yeah. Um. So yeah, really, the guys, the the real, the you know, the real heroes, are the guys who come from Japan and Korea to play at Evo. Um. Because flying, you know, Japan to Vegas, that jet lag is. Awful. Yeah, it like is. It, it, you're just coming back from Asia. Like usually, would t- coming back it from takes Asia a week for me to, to get back to normal. Is awful because yeah. you go over the international date line and you literally relive like three or four hours of your life again. <laughs> that the first time that happened to me, I was like, so if I just keep flying in that direction, will I never get old? No, <laughs> that's not how it works, Shane. <laughs> Not unless you hit the speed of light. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, you go back in time when you fly from Japan into L.A. It's like you'll leave Japan at like 9 a.m. on Monday morning, and when you land, it's like 7.30 a.m. Monday morning in Los Angeles. It's crazy. 
the first time you do it, it takes a while to get over it. For, well, actually, it never gets easier coming back. No, well, especially when like when back in the day when we have to come back, it was like, okay, you landed, and now you got to make a show. Yeah. Out of all the stuff we brought back and and G four was cheap, so we actually oh, yeah. we didn't have any time to get over jet lag. We were on the in the out in the streets oh, yeah. the next day shooting generally. Oh yeah, and there was like stuff. You know, I remember I came back one, from one of them. I think it was two thousand seven. I got really sick in Japan. I, I remember that actually. Some with a fever and all this. It yeah. was crazy. And I can't. And we came back, and uh, one one of our one of our other producers gave me one of his Ambien to uh, to so I could because I didn't want to live through a thirteen hour flight with yeah. all that congestion and all that. So I slept through that. But when I land, when we landed, my voice was gone. Really? Like, I, I, I was just, I couldn't could barely talk. Just during that flight, it just was gone. Yeah, and but we got and we you know I couldn't go home. We had to go back to the office and like organize everything and decide. And before I could leave and, all the and, and rest, <laughs> hand the tapes in, figure <laughs> tapes. out where everything was and what was. Yeah. And at a certain we were trying to like figure out like what this was and this was here and I'm like this, this is this this is that because I knew what all the b-roll was because that was kind of like what I, it always ended up being what I had what my thing was was do we have footage of all the different yeah, games because yeah. I knew all the games off yeah by looking at them and this 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 and at some point like I was trying just trying I'm just trying to get sound out and at some point I, I corrected Adam on something and Adam's just like well I didn't know I'm so I'm just like <laughs> I'm like do not read into my tone of voice right now I am literally just trying to make intelligible words come out of my mouth <laughs> however it comes out is yeah. the best it could come out yeah ass- assume it's very polite whatever I, whatever I'm trying to say um, so yeah that was that that stuff tended to be a nightmare I can't imagine like going through that. And then having to play, a like a fighting game tournament against the best people in the world, like that. I mean, that's amazing that that they pull that off. Uh, let's see, Emperor Dread. While watching Evo, I was wondering how awesome it would be to have a moment of glory on stage. Do you two have any favorite pop-offs in quotes you'd like to see or perform yourselves? Um. Well, my favorite. I, I'm a big fan of whenever Gutex would throw his fighting stick off. The, that was that was always fun. But um, uh, my favorite of all time was it was either Nork. I can't remember which it was. It was either NorCal or SoCal regionals in I think 2009. And um, Takedo was playing, and he um, you know, I mean, this clip is famous, but he, he I was, but I was sitting with Seth. Killian on the stage next to the stage because I was there to, for G4 uh-huh. and so like I got nice treatment. Yep. They all liked me there because I put them on television. Yep. And <laughs> um, do it. So I was sitting with Seth like off the side of the stage, and the way it was set up was that the players were on like one side of the stage playing, and then there was a projector that was projecting the game on the kind of the back wall of the stage for everyone in the audience to see. And Takedo was playing uh, Akuma. And um, he won. He won with some crazy. Like he, he just, he just like bonsai charged the the um, the the raging demon. Like, like just shouldn't have worked, but it did. Like he got, <laughs> he got, and, and like he knew because the raging demon takes a while. He knew he'd won. Yeah, you know, he was gonna. The life was coming off. So he gets up. He puts the stick down, gets up, runs to the center of the stage, and stands with his back to the projector. So when Akuma does the the whole thing where the symbol appears yeah, on his back. Yeah. The symbol appeared on Takedo's back to the projector, <laughs> and it was the coolest that damn thing awesome. I'd ever seen. Like the whole, <laughs> the entire auditorium just was on their feet. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Wah! that's yeah. great. Yeah. And then, and and then I th- I th- think Seth said something like like we all sat down, and Seth was just like, 
I feel so bad for the other guy. Because <laughs> Seth is a good man, and yeah. he thinks of that, he thinks of when that you kind do, of thing. When you do something like that, you don't feel bad for the other guy. Because no. it wasn't to rub it in their face. It was just... It was just he thought... Of, he knew he did it. He knew he could do it. He knew he could get there in time, and it was going to be awesome, and he did it. It and was, it not, it was it not about the other person. Yeah, yeah. It was not about the opponent. It was just like, hey, this particular setup of events, I can make this happen. Yep. So... That was amazing. Yeah, that was that's one a of the, great story. That was the coolest thing I ever. I I saw. I got to see that in person because like he got up and we're just like, what does he do? Oh my god! <laughs> it's just like the do- the slow dawning real- realization of what was happening is great. Yep. All right, one more question. We'll take it from Danboy ninety. Uh, now that we are halfway through the year, do you think you have played ga- the game of the year yet, or is it still to come? Hmm. I hope it's still to come. Uh, me too. Even my favorite stuff has not been really on the level of I usually think of Game of the Agreed. Year stuff. I think you can look at my uh, fantasy team and see that clear as day. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely this year, the games that have come out this year have been just overall a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, to me, there is no clear-cut Game of the Year candidate right now. Not right now, no. I mean, Resident Evil 2 is one of the best games I've played this year, and I'm, there's no way yeah. in hell I'm giving Game of the Year to a remake, so my something fa- better come My along. favorite so far, I think, has been uh, A Plague Tale. Yeah. And God help me if that's the best <laughs> game i play this year, because I like that game a lot, but yeah. it is not in the echelon that I usually think of yeah. as my Game of the Year. That's kind of where we're at. Yep. We're seeing the winding down of the generation. I got a lot of hopes pinned on uh, Pokemon and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. There's still some good stuff to come. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're not, they're not, the year's not done by any stretch of the imagination. Yep. All right, before we go, it's time to hear a word from our sponsor. Feeling the urge to get away from it all, permanently or for months at a time, Immerse yourself in the best Montana has to offer on 320 acres of remote, heavily forested property. Gaze at your own private lake from the deck of the log cabin. Truly off the grid, soak in a custom wood fire heated hot tub surrounded by wilderness and wildlife. Visit www.lostlakemontana.com for more detailed information and images. You can also contact Doug DeShazer today at deshazermt at gmail.com or 406 291 one six four three. That's DeshazerMT at gmail.com or four zero six two nine one one six four three. We got news coming in. Once again, hit up DeShazer Ryan Realty. If you're looking for property anywhere in the US, not just in Montana, they can hook you up no matter where you're looking to buy. Uh, before we go today, first of all, thanks to everybody who was on the stream today. Uh, I think the one o'clock thing seems to be working. Like I know the chat seems to be rocking the whole show. That's great. I know people in Europe were able to participate and watch the show live. That's awesome. Do not forget today's high score every Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. We did the time intentionally so folks in Europe can get involved. We had a great first episode. I guess it was a reboot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'd had a great first episode. We want more and new people to come in for the second episode. I'm hoping that you guys can. Uh, new episode of Pactor Factor going up tomorrow. You're going to get a double dip probably tomorrow. You're <laughs> going to get Pactor Factor and this early in the morning, although Pactor Factor will probably be later at night. Again, really good questions this round. I was kind of worried because there's not much going on, but you guys did a great job asking questions, so look for that. Um, anything you want to update folks on, Matt? Not so far. Just, you know... Be real careful if you want that Metal Wolf Chaos action. Yeah, stay away. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for watching as always. Everybody have a great day. Game Face is up and out.